der einzige Markt für das, was jetzt und in der Zukunft wertvoll ist. Die neuesten Sneakers, Kleidung, Elektronik, Sammlerstücke und vieles mehr. Alles hundertprozentig geprüft und authentisch. Mit StockX hast du Zugang zu Millionen von Produkten, die ausverkauft oder schwer zu finden sind. Und alle für den Preis, den sie wirklich wert sind. Denn wir alle sollten das kriegen, was wir gerne haben möchten. StockX – Zugang zu aktuellen Trends. Finde, was du brauchst auf StockX.com. Welcome to another edition of 50 Years of Chelsea with me, Stanford Chidge. And uh, as ever, the uh, the uh, one, well, I mean, really, my, my conscience and my memory for uh, most of this period of Chelsea history, Mr. Jonathan Kidd. You are feeling sleepy. I am actually. How did you how did you know? <laughs> <laughs> but there you go. That's another thing. Not not for this podcast. And uh, in your mind. Yeah, yeah well, you, Jonathan, you, you have you have no idea. That's all I'm saying. Uh I, you know, I get 2 hours of you on a Monday, 2 hours of you on a Tuesday. To say you're in my mind is 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 an understatement. I'll anyway, come and move in. I'll move in. Chichi. You're welcome let's, anytime. Let's Let's accept the inevitable. I have a lovely garage outside that can accommodate oh, you. Thank you. Know. you. Um, anyway, we also have, of course, I'm always, always delighted to see him. He speaks so much sense. And uh, yeah. one of these days I'll get him on for a show when, when, when we win something. You never know. But well, I've, got, I've, I've got Clayton Beerman with us. Clayton, when was, the last, when was the last time you did one of these? I can't remember now. Uh, yeah, no, it was great actually because I did it with Kelvin, wasn't it? Um, the promotion year, I, you you very kindly gave me that eighty three, eighty four. Oh God, it's been a while then. Which yeah. which was fantastic, and and now I come back and I see the wreckage that remains of eighty three, eighty four. A lot of water has passed under Stamford Bridge <laughs> since then. I can tell you, um, up and down like a flaming yo yo. But there you go. Here we are in nineteen ninety one. 1992 uh of course the headline news that i suspect our our two listeners now expect uh is the update on the kit jk and i would have to say number one slight modification on the home kit uh it looks broadly similar to last year blue socks still you know minus Uh points for the blue socks we've still we've still got the kind of weird croatia looking diamond uh red diamonds on white uh, shirt and shorts for the main away kit. I didn't mind that. I didn't mind that. I didn't mind that. I finally became Scots then, didn't you I? Did. I didn't mind that. I didn't mind that. In that kind but, of long but... tone that they sometimes have. Like I went a bit Bill Shankly then. Anyway, uh, very suitable because there's red in that kit, but we don't mind because it looks quite swish. Uh, and uh, talking of swish, JK, I have to say, I have to say, one of my all time favourite away kits, uh, which is basically yellow with a very Hello. weird. Kind of like it looks like it looks like um, Chelsea's kind of history in the eighties in reverse, Clayton. Because the the I was, I was thinking it looks more like the the Alps. Well, yes, but you see the you know kind of like you get on a graph. Yeah, yeah. This no, one's see, kind I of see going where you're coming from, yeah, yeah. down, up, down, up, down, yeah, massive yeah. up. Actually, I think it's a representation of Chelsea from perhaps nineteen eighty to two thousand, maybe. Yeah, no, it could be, or it could just actually be a representation of this season. Well, indeed, it could. I mean, but actually, I can't actually. 
beautiful Can't kit. Can't actually think of the high. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm, there's more troughs in this one, but it's a beautiful kit. I love, I love this kit. I have to say. Well, it, it's quite interesting because I, I can never be a fan of anything that's that's red, apart from the red, white, and green, which was a thing of beauty. And this particular monstrosity, I hated. But when I was watching some of the clips. Uh, you very kindly circulated. I thought, oh, doesn't that look smart? I really, <laughs> I really thought that it looked quite good. And and I think compared to the Crystal Palace abomination, oh. which we thankfully oh. haven't seen yet, um, it all of it looks great. And but but again, blue socks. But no, weirdly enough, in this, little, um, in this little uh, window of the kits, it's given a given us white socks in the blue. Which we didn't have at all. No, not I... no. Well, no. This is definitely blue socks. Ninety-one, ninety-two. No, no. I know. I know. I'm just bemused as to why it's come up with this. But yeah, I used to, um, with the memory once again, uh, Clayton, of the red, white, and green. I forgave any red, and also there is red in the badge, the original badge. There is a touch of that. So, so I'm. I think, yeah, I think it's okay in moderation, and I do actually yeah. find it quite hysterical. Well, that uh... I'm such a such a hypocrite of because course. when i actually look at those red white and green kits i think they they are beautiful well and also clayton if of course you i know you read my uh last week's or was it the week before's article in football london where i eviscerated the uh, palace kit but also yes, did. did mention that actually since 1935 about 70% of our away kits have had red in them or actually been either a red shirt or a complete red kit so it's a bit of an anathema to say we never wear red. Well, yeah, no, I, I don't think we say we don't wear it. I think as a, a but you said you don't like it. That's a different yeah, thing. I just, <laughs> it's just basically it's. But but then I can't remember what game it was. I was watching something on you know gone down some particularly sad YouTube wormhole as we all tend to do, and I saw us playing in all red, and yeah. I thought that actually looks rather smart. Recently too. I mean, about two yeah. or three seasons ago. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. we wore the red, didn't we, last season in terms of uh, um, the Chelsea retrospective? In uh, in 1991, we wore an all red kit, didn't we, Chief? Was it last season we had the all red one? The, yeah, the, yeah. You know, the opposite to the blue Commodore. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. you're right. Yeah. 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 And we had that weird Man United thing from a few weeks ago. It's been a feature. Of course, the great thing is before about 1970, none of us knew this because it would have all looked like black and white. So we got away with it, maybe. But <laughs> As I said, I, I was under the misapprehension that when we played Moscow Dynamo, we were playing in blue shirts because it was black and white. In actual fact, we were playing in red yeah, shirts. I go. never knew that. All right. Let's get on uh, with the, uh, you know, the, the, the season that was 1991-1992. And I'm going to start off with the title, Here's the New Boss, Same as the Old Boss. But before we do that, uh, usual kind of in and outs. And I have to say, it, it, this season was a very active one in the market. We've, we've got new uh, manager Ian Porterfield installed, who was, of course, formerly Bobby Campbell's assistant. Well, well, and, and I mean, you know, it looks like he, he, he brought in a lot of players. But I'll, I'll talk about Porterfield in... in more depth in a minute but um the ins and outs ian pierce came in from the youth tommy boyd uh was apparently transferred from motherwell for 800 grand although i thought he was transferred from magpie but i could be wrong it's one for the teenagers oh very good one for very the teenagers good. there um clever. thank you jonathan thank you all so kind you're so lovely and kind anyway paul elliott this is more important he comes in from celtic for 1.4 million andy myers gets promoted from the youth uh, the legendary Joe Allen comes in from Hartley Pools uh, for two hundred and fifty grand, 
And the most intriguing transfer, not just of this season, but I think of many, many, many seasons, was the transfer from one Vincent Jones from Sheffield United, ex of the parish of Wimbledon, for 575 grand, who apparently on his arrival said something like, I want to make Chelsea horrible. And of course, if you want to make Chelsea horrible, uh, Vinnie Jones is your man. So there you go. Now on the other side of the coin, out go to my utter dismay at the time. I remember JK, Tony Dorigo to Leeds United of all people for 1.3 million. Dave Mitchell to Swindon Town for 30 grand. The the absolutely wonderful, lovely Johnny Bumstead comes to the end of the line for Chelsea. He goes to Charlton on a free. And I've actually got a bit of uh, bummers here talking about what it what it meant for him to leave. And you basically completely nullified David Platt playing against Villa, and you did the same to Gaza, mm. who was like just on fire at the time. Yeah. Two man of the match performances. So you you still had it in you, I would say. Yeah. So do do you feel that you know you you got let go a bit a bit too soon? You would have had something to offer because uh, of course you missed out on the first Premier League season for Chelsea, which I I always think. I look at it as a supporter and I think that's really quite sad because you see the length of time you play yeah, so you've missed I'll, out on that chance. I've Charles. never really thought about it. Because you carried on playing because you went yeah. off to Chelsea. No, I've, yeah. I've never really thought about it. I mean, they did... Uh, Bobby Campbell sort of offered me another year but it was never... I don't think he... I don't know whether he really wanted to offer me it or not. I, I'm not sure. But if he'd have pushed for it then maybe I'd have, I'd have signed for another year. But it was, it was left up in the air a bit and then... You know, I was gradually getting playing less and less games yeah. so it was uh, yeah, did the move to Charlton come about then John? was there uh, other teams interested there was a few yeah, yeah. I could, funny enough Fulham come in for me on a transfer deadline day did they? Yeah. didn't fancy that no nah. but um, I'm not sure how to follow uh, Charlton I think it's more because I'm sort of from that area I weren't far away in their training ground I used to see some of the players and staff and I think that's Made probably a lot of sense. Out. yeah, yeah. Uh, so there you go, there's Bummers. And uh, and Kevin McAllister, which I think probably saddens JK a bit. He goes to Falkirk for 225 grand. Something I know that saddened JK and still does to this day was Gordon Jury going to Spurs for 2.2 million because he wanted to join a club in the uh, back in Scotland, in the north. Judas. Yep. And uh, Roger 20 Freestone uh, went to Swansea City for 45 grand. So a huge amounts of movements there, JK. And uh, uh, the Dury one was just utterly confusing. Did you did you cry? Um, I'm, I'm not prone to crying with these uh. situations ever. I just normally just stamp my foot and kick something. If I had you, a, you have a tantrum, if I had a cat. I would kick it, but I'm allergic to cats. Say again. I suspect they're probably allergic to you. If that's what I they would do. hope so. I love them though. I love them. Okay. I'd have one. Apart from when one. you kick and when Dury leaves. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> well, metaphorically, I okay. Kick. You metaphorically just, kicked the cat. I'd give it a talking to, probably. Um, you can come and uh, kick cat, any, any cat round my gaff anytime you like to keep shitting in my garden. Okay, okay. Well, I'd probably tell them off first. I'm going to buy a plastic snake. <laughs> Apparently, that's my latest. I'm, I'm fighting a one-man war against the local cats. And my Are they next... not, not fond of uh, plastic snakes? Well, cats, my, my auntie said to me, get some rubber snakes because they think they're real and they freak them out. Well, really, that's. So I'm going to try it. Going to try it anyway. We digress. Anyway, no, no, go on, Jerry. Is um, this your auntie who owns a rubber snake factory? She does. Yeah. How did you know? <laughs> <laughs> Snakes are us. I thought it was the joke factory, and you got a whoopee cushion yeah. thrown in. No, she supplied the. She supplied all the snakes to snakes on a plane. Uh, what a film! It is. Yeah, one of the snakes great films on a plane. Um, right. Got sorry, J.K. We hijacked yeah, no, you somewhat I, there. I, 
as you anybody who's been listening to this will know, I, I thought Jury was wonderful, which injured a lot, but a completely wonderful player, which you have to bow down to the scouting that got him from Hibs to play for Chelsea in the first place. Um, his ability just to almost decide, I'm going to get the ball in the halfway line, beat three players and scream the ball into the top corner was peerless, completely phenomenal. And um, uh, for to this was just a... I think he must have agitated for a move. I don't know why. Perhaps he saw the season what was coming. But um, uh, with him playing, I think they'd have been they'd have finished much higher because a really top top player, Dury. So I was just uh, incandescent with with uh, with rage that they'd transferred him. I thought. But as I say, if if he wanted a move, he wanted to get away. I suppose two million. Where where, where were we with the uh, with with the um, the state of the ground and. Uh, uh, and Bates at the moment was this a, a, a sale? As with Dorigo, was this a sale to to uh, to pay off debt? Do, do you know what? Know? I, I, I have I have not done my homework, for which I apologise. But what I do note uh, is that this year the High Court, because we're still in this this kind of Barney with uh, Cabra Estates, I think, uh, and the High Court. You know, Ken's been basically filibustering legally. Yeah. To yeah. delay it and delay it and delay it, but the High Court apparently values Chelsea at twenty-two point eighty-five million, uh, which we have to pay, or we lose the stadium. Now, of course, we know that in the fullness of time, and it may have been this year, but my memory—forgive me—I can't quite remember. But what, what happens ultimately is Cabra go bust, so actually we get away with it and we buy it for a lot cheaper, uh, because actually by the end of the season, and I'm sure you both—I you know, know you both watched the season review as I did, um, Andy Townsend. Uh, Actually mentions, of course, with this new new stadium on the horizon. So I think I think maybe I think it was this year that Bates finally won that battle and starts planning for things like Chelsea Village. Well, he he got planning permission already at the end of he last had. season. That's right, the village. So this was very much in his mind. But I, in terms of players, I mean, I, I there were thirty there are thirty two players in the squad, and um, and the fact that he then ultimately we're going to get onto it buys Clive Allen. Um, you think. Why did Jury go? So I wonder whether he agitated or whether it was a money but thing. But he did, he did, didn't he? It didn't tap up. I heard he did, yes. Yeah, he I mean, famously said, oh, I, want, I want to go and play back home in Scotland. Yeah, so he went to Spurs. But you wonder what it was that caused him to want to leave in that environment because he was a, one of the star players. Well, and Dorigo, Dorigo's leaving. Dorigo was another great player. And you just think, what is the aspiration of this club if two of the best players are let go at the beginning of the season? Well, it's, I, 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 you know, my memory is rubbish, as we know. But we do know, having done the last few seasons, that Tony Degree, Tony Degree, Tony Dorigo, or Tony Dorito, as I've come to call him recently, had been agitating, agitating for a move for a while because he was a bit precious. Practically every season. Yeah. Practically every season. Well, he was yeah. agitating to go because of his England place. But Clayton... Do you, do, I mean, I, the question I want to ask you is if you remember, you know, that I think Jonathan, what Jonathan's saying, and, and me too, in a sense, is that, that there seems to be some sort of disquiet in the dressing room, something not uncommon to Chelsea around this time, uh, and, and a lot of turnover, a lot of players agitating to move. I, do you think that might have had something to do with Bobby Campbell going and Portfield coming in, or, or what? Was there anything else going on that you remember? I don't know. I, I do. I have got a memory, which is why I don't particularly like him. Um, that Dorigo was ambitious, and he wasn't basically going to hang around and wait for us to to be successful. He basically was going to go and find somebody else to be successful with. So I, I've got no great love of him. I haven't got any love for Gordon Jury. <laughs> 
because uh, uh, the, the minute he went there, I just forgot every great thing that he did for us. It's a bit like Poyet in some respects, not quite as bad. Uh, so no, I think that was worse than Poyet, but the Poyet thing still absolutely wrangles. I don't, I don't know. I, just, I, I don't think there was dressing room disquiet. I don't, I don't perceive that to be the case. And what I find is a bit of a contradiction. And obviously we got more money coming in than going out, which is, um, which is down to Bates's business acumen. But it wasn't like in previous seasons where we'd got money in and spent nothing. We'd actually gone out and bought some players. Um, and we'll come on to Tommy Boyd, who I thought was an absolutely fantastic player. Um, and then we'll discuss what happens with him. And I can tell you my thoughts about what happened at the time. But the no, I, I don't gonna... think so. Well, sorry, yeah, I've interrupted you about Dury. You, we were going to be talking about what? Sorry, what were you don't think so? What, what did you mean by no, that? No, I, I don't. I don't think that there was any particular disquiet in the dressing room. Um, I mean, I might be wrong, but I, I don't sort of remember that to be the case at the time. I just thought players in, players out. I mean, the jury thing was, I mean, we knew he wanted to go. And I, I you know, as you were saying, JK, he was a fantastic player on his day. And maybe he was slightly frustrated and wanted to go and win things, which begs the question as to why he went there. Um, well, because... no, I. He's clearly a very poor judge of a football club. I mean, it's a bit like actors. Jonathan, you'll, this will resonate with you. Some, some actors are brilliant at choosing, you know, roles and scripts that go off and win them an, off, an Oscar, and some choose absolute lemons, and maybe Jury's a bit like that. You know, because Spurs are absolutely on a downward curve at the moment, as, as are we to a degree. But there you yeah. go. Um, the, lure, the lure of the dosh was, mustn't be forgotten, of course. Yeah, big, yeah, yeah. Big signing on fee big percentage of the 2.2 million. Now, I was interested in McAllister because McAllister on his day could surprise you. You know, you'd think I mean, the very fact that he was playing and Nev they got rid of Nevin and McAllister, he was like a kind of 10% Nevin. But occasionally he'd nip in and he'd... So he was a Nevy. He was a, it was, he was a naive occasionally he'd, <laughs> he'd, he'd dribble in, he'd dribble round and put a centre in. You think, oh, he'd score a little goal at the near post. No, he's not bad. But the very fact he ends up going to... Falkirk for two hundred thousand is is his value, and it was. But I I agree, and but he came, didn't he? He came when Nevin was still there. Yeah. And basically, they I don't know whether they bought him because they thought he'd replace Nevin when Nevin went. Um, but Kevin McAllister was never going to succeed at Chelsea because he wasn't Pat Nevin. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, it's a good point. And, he just, what, and as you say, he was he was ten percent, if that, yes. of Nevin. He's one of those horrible players who basically did something brilliant. You thought, ah, yes, yes, no, he, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. And then he'd revert to type. He would, as I say, beat two players and score at the near post. And you go, bloody hell. Yeah. Oh, yeah, great. And then nothing would happen for the rest of the game or nothing Correct. would happen in the next right. three games. So, you know. like, let's get on with the season. Um, we start we off. We have to. Yeah, you do, actually. Uh, we, we, that's why we're here. Well, okay, let's all go talk home. about Paul Allen very briefly. We're gonna, no, we're going to do it now, Jonathan, because it's relevant okay. to, to what I'm about to talk about. Basically, okay. first first game, you were there, I'm no doubt. We played Wimbledon, which, of course, people will know. Uh, uh, we, we've had a tough time against recently, but they're kind of beginning their downward slide back to where they belong. But we do have debuts for Tommy Boyd and Paul Elliott, and Joe Allen, uh, who, interestingly, both Elliot and Allen score uh, in the two-all draw with Wimbledon, uh, which, of course, Allen, this blonde-haired uh, player from Hartlepool, 
uh, who was great in the lower divisions. I, I, I for one, could not understand why we were buying this striker from Hartlepool. But he scores. Cue this amazing celebration where he runs down past the goal at the shed end towards the shed <laughs> celebrating like he's won the world cup sadly he did score another goal actually a few games after this where he did much the same thing but i have to say that they were probably his high points in his chelsea career jk they were indeed yeah his ability to run into the shed was was remarkable it was actually bates remarked upon it in his program notes the following week because he, he actually said it would be rather nice that rather than spend five minutes celebrating, he'd got back the other end and tried to score a third goal, then we wouldn't have drawn. You know, it was uh, that was the that was the view, point of view. And up uh, bizarrely, what I loved about it was that that with the with the uh, the few times that he's actually selected to play rather than be a substitute, um, he, he puts in a few nifty headers and shots. And if you just looked at this video as being what his contribution to the season was, you'd think, oh, he wasn't bad. But the reality was, was he was absolutely terrible. Well, and, uh, um, I, well, uh, yeah, go on. Go on, you go on. You were well, going. Well, no, I was going to say, yeah, I, I, I mean, I th- absolutely. It, it seeds absolutely into what I was going to talk about. I was going to ask Clayton about this because, you know, in my mind, I, I'm with you on this, J.K. But in my mind, Joe Elliott is up there with appallingly awful strikers that Chelsea have specialised in, and I shall reel off a quick list amongst them being. Alan Mays, Bill Garner to a degree, um, you know, maybe Teddy Maybank, that's a bit unfair, Robert Fleck, Chris oh. Sutton, uh, Baldrick. Fleck, Fleck, yes. You know, Sutton, there's yes. so, you know, Mitchell, we have, yes. we've had so, so many, and I think Joe Allen's up there with that. But, I mean, I have watched a bit of the footage, and he doesn't look quite as bad as I remember him, Clayton, to be honest. Um, no, I'd, I'd have to say the, the highlight um, package actually made him look quite um quite decent he wasn't he was awful he was really really awful what, what I've, mean- I've heard him and i can't actually remember i think we might have even spoken to him on one of the talk sport uh t- sorry the love sport shows did we yeah we did and he wasn't very funny what? no but he was uh, i think he, he was pissed across- actually. i think he was pissed <laughs> seriously um, i think but- he was pissed when we spoke to him but but I think that he he was just dreadful, and I just you know we sort of talk in this day and age about who scouted Kepper, and you just basically think who scouted Joella? who actually I mean you cannot get past the fact that Ian Porterfield, who was also from the northeast, was a mate. Maybe he was on and a he, bung, he, mate. I don't, I don't I don't know, but I have to say that his debut goal was one of the funniest goals I've ever seen. The ball ran up his body and hit ran him up in the his face. Arm. If there'd been yeah. VAR now, he wouldn't have been, been allowed, would it? Well, watching those highlights of all those games, if VAR would have been about, all those players that gave away penalties would have been sent off, all those goals would have been disallowed. Anyway, we digress. No, Joe Allen was absolutely fucking useless. I, I think, think what really, doesn't show really you was. on the highlights is the number of times you've been in front of goal and would miss. Yeah. I think that was the major thing with, with him. Well, this is the, the, yeah. the dead cert. Oh, my God, he's hit the corner flag. How's he managed to do that? This, of course, is the yeah. downside of only really watching very limited highlights and, and not having a good enough rem- memory to really remember it. But I told I, you that story. I went to one of the, one of the data, data systems games. Why I ended up there, about 5,000 people in the crowd. Oh, God. And I actually shouted out after he'd missed an absolute open goal. I'm sure I've told you this. I hate you, Alan. Yeah, and it echoed yeah. all the way around the crowd. Yeah, yeah. And I got a huge laugh for it. <laughs> I, 
And I thought, oh, that's lovely, isn't it? Thank you so much. I, I didn't get a I laugh. an old person's voice. I hate you, Alan. A bit like Blakey in On the Buses. Yeah. And, I, didn't I, you, Alan. I didn't get a laugh when I shouted out in Gate 17 to Matic that he's a long, lanky streak of useless piss, but uh, that's, I can understand why. Um, the uh, What was I going to say? Yeah, I tell you what, I mean, we'll hear from him later, actually, um, because, of course, this is Kerry's last season. Kerry finally leaves Chelsea after nine years. And uh, it's very interesting what he has to say, really, about what we're talking about now, as the arrival of, you know, the, this was the year when a lot of strikers turned up. And it all seemed to be a bit odd, particularly when you see who they were. But I, I shall say no more about this because we'll hear from Kerry later about what he thought about it. And actually, in many respects, it it kind of instigated his departure from the club. Anyway, we start off two all with Wimbledon. Um, we then play Oldham away, Oldham Athletica in the first division. Goodness gracious me. We got absolutely, we had our arses handed to us and we lost 3-0. They had some good players, though. You see, they had yeah. Rick, Andy yeah. Rick. Was absolutely excellent. But he, he wasn't. He wasn't playing for them, mate. What for Oldham? No. Was it was the away game he must have been playing? Well, was I, it I don't know. We'll get to that Marshall later. Played. Marshall <laughs> Snowden. Yeah, Marshall. Yeah. Marshall Barrett. was a very, very decent player. Been a centre half. They were playing Sharp. him at centre forward. Playing him at centre forward. Very decent player. They were at a decent number. Of, the reason they were in the first division was because they had some very good players. And it was, they it had was a good. plastic pitch as well. And they had a plastic pitch as well. Not this really, season, though. Not this season, but they, that helped them get... Got them up, didn't it? They got, didn't they, they get to the uh, cup semi-final in uh, the they year? Got we got the cup semi-final, yeah. And basically, they played Man United and they got beaten in a replay. But it was 4 all or something mental, wasn't it? In the yeah, set? yeah, tremendous game of football, the first one. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. I think they lost in the replay up at Main Road, yeah. something like that. Yeah. I do vaguely remember that. We'll get to that because, of course, that, I think it was I think it was 94 when we got to the final. So they, you're right, JK, they weren't a bad team, but we still shouldn't have got our asses handed to us 3-0. But don't worry, whenever things are bad at Chelsea, we're now in this era <laughs> that whenever things are bad, all you it's have to do lie. is yeah. play Spurs. And we go up to Spurs away and we absolutely cuff them 3-1. Um, Kerry scores a goal. Uh, I mean, it was really just a bit of a belligerent tap-in from the great man. But his celebration was just brilliant. He, 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 you know, I mean, he was a boy. He played. He was in the Spurs academy. People may not know this, Kerry, but he celebrated like he celebrated like we would, which was just just a joy to see. Um, Dennis Wise uh, also scores. Sorry, no, Kevin Wilson scores an absolutely great goal. Uh, but the thing I remember from this game most of all was that we were so on top of them. I mean, we scored on the third minute, the 22nd, and the 46th. Lineker got his obligatory uh, goal, of course, against us. Um, but we were, we were the, you know, the away fans, all you could hear were Chelsea. And all you could hear when we were passing the ball around nonchalantly, completely in control, was ole, ole, ole. It was a I joy. I love also the fact that the Gordon Dury was booed. I loved all of that. Of course, yes, <laughs> of course. And can I say, I think, uh, f- my memory of it was also that, that, that Graham Lasso, Soxie, Played out of his skin. Yeah. In actual fact, you you didn't miss Dorigo playing as long as Soxy played, but he was playing more as a winger rather than as because uh, he had Boyd behind him at um, uh, at left back. But so, so this is a season where you appreciated that okay, Dorigo's gone, but Lasso is there, and Lasso was a top top player. This, this is but, the but Jonathan, and you and, and you actually said this. He wasn't a fullback yet. No, he was a left winger from our youth team. He and he was absolutely brilliant because one of the things I wanted to pick up on, 
is that when you're watching the highlights from this season, is just how bloody good Graham Lasso was. Yeah, wonderful. And and also, Kerry. Yeah. Even well, though this was his last season. Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, let's talk about Kerry because actually, you're you, I, this. Is, it's kind of a weird thing to bring up now, but it, it, this, you know, how much I love Kerry. Kerry is yeah. arguably my my all time Chelsea hero. I have such love for that man. Um, and actually, I think he started the season off in 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 classic Kerry form. He scored three goals uh, in his first seven games. Uh, he got. He scored two that were disallowed. One of them, I think, was against Spurs, as it happens. Uh, and he just looks like the carry we all know and love. But I have to say, having watched the entire season back, that he starts to look, I think, a bit leggy. His legs are going by the end of the season. And, I mean, he's still capable. There was, a, there was I think it's the Arsenal uh, away match, which we'll get on to uh, in a little while. But he does uh, some amazing skill on the right hand, so just outside the penalty area. He beats about three Arsenal defenders and slides an absolutely perfect diagonal ball across to Lasso to score. So he's still got this skill and this great all-round experience and game knowledge. But I've got to say, he looks he looks as though he's blown out of his ass towards the end of the season. I th- One of yeah, his I great think... traits, of course, was his speed, wasn't it? Onto yeah. Sorry, but had he he'd, he'd obviously he. He'd had that awful injury, hadn't he? The one against Liverpool in the cup. That was a couple of years beforehand. Well, Is that right? Well, he he no. I mean, he he got horribly injured, didn't he, in '85, before the World Cup. But, he managed to recover in time to go to the World Cup. That's when he but, had yeah, the injury. But, but the injury was against Liverpool in yeah. in either the league, and he never quite had that speed again. I mean that absolutely screwed us that season I know that you talked about it but he never had that speed again but it was just watching the beginning of that season you might be right and that's obviously why we brought in this plethora of shit forwards um but he still looked like he still looked like he'd do a job but you know you know what Clayton I, I this is a, this is a, as I said I don't mind bringing this in now because I think it's really relevant but you know for the last few weeks as Jonathan will will testify you know, I've suddenly dawned on me that actually there's a lot of similarities to be drawn between Kerry and Drogba. I mean, watching a lot of these games back has reminded me that he did so much more than just score great goals. You know, in that in that period under Campbell, when we were effectively playing with three strikers in a three up front, he'd often be out drifting wide and putting crosses in. And there was something quite... And I, and I just loved the way that the older he got and the more mature he got, he brought a hell of a lot more into the game, a bit like Drogba did. Now, if we're going to make a comparison with Drogba again, I'll tell you what I would make this season. It's a bit like what Drogba was when he came back to us after having been at Galatasaray. The legs had gone, but the skill and the mind hadn't. Yeah, yeah you'd have that. Yeah, no, I would. It, it, it I think it's, um, that's a really good comparison. I mean, I just thought watching the, the uh, certainly as you say, the beginning of the season, he looked so sharp. He really did. He looked really good. Uh, and maybe there were, there were things that we don't know about the drinking, maybe. Um, well, that's going to slow him down. And, bound to, isn't it? Well, perhaps mentally, but, perhaps, he was, perhaps he was affected by the fact that uh, Porterfield clearly didn't have any faith in him or Wilson. Because that yeah, had been, that's the, that had been call, the, yeah. the triumvirate of the season before with Jury, and Jury goes, 
and he's Wilson hardly gets a look in for the yeah. for this season. He does and he's indeed. Then, he's then transferred. He is indeed. So, I mean, Kerry. You know, Kerry uh, gets. My, sorry, go on, mate. Go on. No, 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 no. Carry on, carry on, Jude. Well, I was just going to say, Kerry gets. You know, the, the, he, he actually does. I mean, this is the interesting stat. I mean, he plays thirty-eight times, forty-two, including his subs appearances, but he only scores five goals, which is just like so. I mean, Kerry, all bar about one or two of the seasons he played for us, is our top goal scorer. And this season, he gets five. He, he absolutely, by his standards, a very, very poor season. Anyway, let's uh, move on to the next game. We, we, we beat Spurs. We follow that up. I think we follow it up. Uh, no, we, we draw two or would not count here at home. Uh, Joe Allen and, uh, and, and Elliot score again, uh, that famous striking pair that we have. Uh, and then we play Luton at home on the 31st of August. Um now this is remarkable for two things. One, one of course is that we wallop them four-one. Kerry scores again, uh, but this is also um, this is also Vinnie Jones's debut. So there you go. Can I mean? Do you remember? I mean, you know, he's a he's a bit of a pantomime villain, J.K. Isn't he? But do you, do you remember much about the reception that Vinnie Jones got? Well, I, I felt I never took him seriously. I thought the club had sort of reached into the mire slightly having him play because he was, I was all, let's put it this way. I was always taken by surprise when he did something good because he, he, he volleyed in a few goals. You think, Oh, he's actually quite skillful, but his ability just to kick somebody up in the air was just so farcical. And, and his, his and I was looking at what he contributed. All right. Long throws. They scored some goals from it. Um, uh, long-range shooting from time to time. I mean, he, he wasn't actually a bad player, but his reputation was so appalling and he's, he didn't help himself. What was the game that he got booked in well, the I'll first... Well, I'll tell you what, let's, let's keep our powder dry on that, that one. Dry for that, but it's that brilliant. was kind of, of a dreadful, dreadful, stereotypical. You just expected it. So I thought, I don't get the club's transfer process at all. They had Alan Dickens still in the in the squad, who played in the Spurs game, had a really decent game, hardly plays again in the season. Townsend played a lot better this season than I felt he did the season before. Hey, he was got captain. De- yeah, and, and that may have contributed. You've got Dennis playing out of his skin. I thought, once again, Dennis Wise uh, was one absolutely superb for the whole season. I, I, he, he is, the, the more I think about it, he is a consistent performer and somebody that to whom the club meant so much never stopped trying i love a trier a skillful trier skillful two-footed just excellence from wise all the time was just um was superb and i we it's never you know we must never forget his contribution to the club was fantastic all the way through his career that's why he's one of my favorite players ever um uh and you, but you've got other players who you know, you thought um, the season before Matthew had played and had played well. I, I don't think he, I think he hardly plays at all this season. Is this down to is this down to the manager making a decision? Um, Graham Stewart in and out of the side season before looked very good. Suddenly, towards the end of the season, plays an enormous amount. But it means that other people then don't get in. So it, it's it's um, uh, David Lee hardly pr- plays this season. I know it's because he's bought Elliot one so game, Moncow and Elliot one but, game. Yeah. The he, was, before, he was a fixture, wasn't he? Yeah, the season before he'd been a fixture. So I found all of this very confusing. So for suddenly Jones to appear, you thought, why the fuck do they need Jones? Why do we need this in the club? I, I, want, I wonder if, in a sense, you know, bearing in mind uh, Porterfield had been 
Bobby Campbell. I always want to say Booby Campbell for some reason, but Bobby Campbell's uh, assistant in the in the side where we brought in you know Graham Roberts into the midfield to provide some 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 steel and some bite. I wonder Clayton whether uh, Porterfield was looking for Jones to do a similar job. Um, I don't know. I mean, all I know is that um, we bought some people during my um, <clears throat> time supporting the club that I have shook my head and said, <laughs> really? <laughs> and believe me, there's been a few whoppers. I have to say that Vinnie Jones is the only person who we've signed who actually made me stop going. Wow. And I, I stopped going to a lot of games that season. I just thought, nah, not for me. I just, you know, well, you know me. I've been supporting forever in a day. Man and boy. Man and boy. Hardest job in the world. But that, that did it for me. I just thought, you've got to be joking. Just, I, I just couldn't, <laughs> I, I couldn't reconcile it. And I just stopped going. I stopped going. I, I went to a lot less games that season because I just thought that, that I don't know what statement the club is making, but whatever it is, it stinks. And I don't like it. And I don't want it. Yeah. So um, bye-bye. <laughs> yeah. Okay, see you, Basically. Like, see, see you in a couple of weeks, Clayton, then. Fair, fair weather supporter. But I just thought this is ridiculous. I mean, just I just didn't want him there. And I think the irony is that we ended up over the years basically having half of the crazy going there, didn't we? Because obviously we had Wise, we had Besson, we had him. We ended up signing Terry Phelan. Was there somebody else we bought as well? There was, wasn't there? There was, another, there was a defender that we bought as well. So, yeah, for me, that was a, just a nightmarish signing. Some of them really I'd have bought, though. I thought there was some good... The, the Earl, who played for them early on in the season, was a terrific player. Really Robbie Earl was good, Robbie yeah. Earl. Really terrific. And um, uh, The guy that Spurs bought was good as well, wasn't it? John Scales? Yeah. Yes, good yeah. fantastic. So there was another... Def- they had a very good series. I mean, I, I speak from experience here because I, I lived, said I lived in Tooting. I went and watched them occasionally midweek. Uh, uh, there were some... That despite the, the 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 rustic form of football, there were some very decent players there. I don't know how they we we couldn't lay a glove on them when we no, played them. When never. in their peak, they that four nil defeat. I'll never forget that at home. Yeah. They yeah. absolutely mullered us, didn't they? And it, but Dennis Dennis played out of his skin in that as well, though against us. Um, I'm going to stand up for young Vincent here. It's not just because you know he's a Hollywood legend and uh, and I'm scared of him. Because I think I think actually, in spite of I, okay, I mean I, I respect what you're saying, Clayton and, and J.K. as well. But I mean, he he does become a bit. Maybe it, it depends who you kind of went with, I suppose. But you you can understand, I'm sure. I mean, you know, I would consider you two as atheists, if you see what I mean. Am I, have I got that right, J.K.? Atheists. Atheists. You're aesthetic. You're into aesthetics. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, you know, whereas a lot of people I I know now and and went with occasionally then were were a bit more, shall we say, agricultural or no industrial. I think it's probably better better put. So you know, Vinny did appeal to a lot of Chelsea fans because of his agro and his passion and his you know double a bit like Joey Jones. Funnily enough, his namesake, you know, clenched fist kind of stuff as well. But that's not the point. The point is. 
going back to what you were saying, J.K., which I think is a really fascinating one, I think that one thing we have discovered on this wonderful uh, Odyssean journey that we've been going on uh, since since March is you can tell a lot about the team by who makes the most appearances and how many of them are. And when you've got a really, really good functioning team, you tend to get about 11 players pretty much as per position playing the majority of the games. This season, we have the following players who played over 30 games. So I've made the cut off 30, all right? Steve Clark, Kerry Dixon, Paul Elliott, Vinnie Jones, Graham Nassau, Ken Moncow, Andy Townsend, Dennis Wise. That basically makes up you know though you know the bulk of the team if you like for most of the season and i think that's very interesting number 1 there's no goalkeeper there playing over over 30 uh, uh, appearances so and as you as you, as we were talking about the other night funny enough uh it seemed to be hopping around between uh, kevin hitchcock and david besson so this is the year when dave starts throwing the ball in the net and losing the plot um the interesting thing is other than that it's fairly well spread about although what i would say you know, so you've got Clarkey as a, as a as a as a full back. Um, you don't have a consistent uh, right back. You have uh, Paul Elliott and Ken Moncow predominantly being our central defence. You would have thought midfield. You've got Vinnie Jones and Andy Townsend. Wingers, you've got Soxie and Dennis Wise, and up front you've got Kerry. But when you think about how many other forwards we played, it kind of it's like a false equivalence, isn't it? Because actually, I think the season was. There was something really disjointed about it. But I also think he, I don't know what pattern he felt he was playing. I think I agree with you, Clayton Boyd always struck me as being a really cultured signing and player. And yet, uh, how many games did he play? Tommy, well, Tommy, of course, later on, as you were alluding to, gets basically swapped uh, for, for Tony Cascarino. Yeah, uh, yeah. In, in a deal with Celtic. But he played 26 games up to then. So I would imagine had they not got rid of him in around, I think it was around February or March, he may well have got over 30. But he was a decent player. Right? And he was actually, when he went to Celtic, he was a very, very good player for them. Well, he ended up playing about 40 times for Scotland, didn't he? Aye. No, he was a top player for Celtic. He was clearly a top player. So what? Do you know what? Do you know what? Do you know what? The whole thing... With the Cascarino swap, etc. The story was at the time, and whether how true this was, I don't know, but it really pissed me off because he was such a good player. He really was. He was class. You had Clark on one side and Tommy Boyd on the other side. They're just brilliant fullbacks. That they were basically saying that Motherwell didn't want to set to sell him to Celtic because it would have looked bad. And therefore, he was more or less parked with us. And it was always going to happen that he would then go to Celtic. But it would be us selling him to Celtic rather than Motherwell. So whether there's any truth in that, I don't know. But otherwise, it made absolutely no sense because the signing of Cascarino was... Peculiar, and we will pick, we will we will pick, we will pick that up when we get to kind of Just to allude to another situation. Was I remember when we bought Eamon Bannon? Do you remember that? Um, yeah, Gaten, from Hearts, who, who similarly was a very good player and uh, was sold again at the beginning of the following season, and then carried on playing in, in Scotland and got another so many you know yeah series of of Scottish caps. Another decent player, so. You, you just wonder uh, whether whether this was a fait accompli that Boyd was always going to go to Celtic and it was just a question of of treading water with him or whether 
um, some, somebody somewhere decided that, that this wasn't what was required. But to to swap him with Cascarino, as we will get there, was just absolutely peculiar. I, I think there's I think there's some merit to uh, to Clayton's point there. Anyway, back to where we are in the league. We we play uh, after uh, Luton, smashing Luton four one. We then go up to Sheffield United and win one nil up there. Wisey scores. We're now a second in the table, by the way. Uh, this is September the third, Mark. You so it is early days. We then play West Ham at uh, at uh, uh, Upton Park. One all there. Wonderful uh, Lasso cross in that as well. Yeah, one. Kerry Kerry gets a goal. Uh, you know they've got the wonderfully named Ludo McClosco in goal and the very long haired Ian Bishop that I always remember very very well. Uh, we then got stabbed. Bishop. Yeah. Did he? Yeah, he did. No way. I did not way. know that. I did not know yeah. that. What, during I'm the match? Pretty... No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is no, West Ham, he... mate. Anything's possible. Yeah, that's true, actually. But yeah, no, he got stabbed. I will look it up. I you will. carry on. You look, it, look up. it up. You look it up and I'll carry on. We then, we then face uh, our old enemies, Leeds United, on the 14th of September at home. And this, uh, in fact, uh, is our is our first defeat. Now, this is a Leeds team, which, of course, then, you know, goes on to win the champion... Uh, well, yeah, the, the championship, as it was then. Uh, and uh, Lukic, Sterling, Dorigo, Tony Dorigo's played them, Batty, McClellan, White, Strachan, Hodge, Shutt, Chapman, McAllister, Speed. That's a pretty decent Leeds team, I think but we'd all horribly Dorigo agree. Dorigo does go into a better side, so yeah. good luck. Oh, and they won, they won the title, so, you know. Were you, were you at this one, J.K.? Oh, of course, Chidge. Of course, of course. Got it. Well, I hated watching. You know, you you go there with a with with bitter taste in your mouth that you're playing Leeds. You know, any, because because you hate them. You know, and you hope that some other team are going to do well against them. But they were a very decent side at the time. So, uh, um, you know, there's a kind of this is the proper competition. This is a proper match for me. Um, we got schooled that day, didn't we? Yeah, uh, yeah, they were very good indeed. Well, yeah. I wasn't going to say anything, but yes is the answer to that. He should have scored more than one. We were beaten one nil, but it was uh, it was a much bigger defeat than that. It was indeed. Uh, we put things right. Okay, oh, so I have oh, an update. Oh, we have an Ian Bishop sta- stabbing update. At, <laughs> it wasn't Ian Bishop. It was actually <laughs> it, it, no, 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 no. Don't. Uh, it was basically the guy who got stabbed was a guy called Trevor Morley, oh. who was another professional footballer. Played for Villa. And the rumour was that he was having a gay affair with um, former Trevor, uh, Ian Bishop, with the full details on the infamous night that teammate Trevor Morley was stabbed. There was a, a, a rumour that they were those two were having a, a gay affair. It's because they both were rather pretty and had long hair, wasn't it? That's, this is the trouble that people make these suggestions about them. It's like well, they, look, uh, poor old, poor old Soxy. I loved his hair. The Guardian. I love, yeah. I love Ian Bishop's hair. Actually, I've got I love say. anybody's hair. To be honest, well, this is true. I, 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 should, I should. The less I say about this, the better. As I am, the, <laughs> as I am the Chelsea Perlo, as we all know. But um, nice to see that homophobia is alive and well in West Ham in the uh, early nineteen nineties. Who who could have possibly guessed that? Anyway, uh, talking to Claret and Blue, we uh, make amends from the, defi- the first home defeat of the season against Leeds uh, by beating Villa 2-0 at home. Uh, Villa are a decent side in those days, by the way. Um, and then we play QPR away. By the way, from a Jones long throw, 
which so at least he was contributing. Well, he scored a goal here as well, mate. I don't know if that's his first goal of the season for us. It might well be. I'm whizzing down very, very quickly. And my poor old... No, that is his first goal. Scores his first goal against Villa at home. There you go. Uh, Andy Townsend scores the other one. Um, We then play QPR away. Now, as we all know, QPR have been a bit of a bogey side for us in recent times, much to the absolute annoyance and horror for for, uh, uh, our dear, dear mate, uh, Kelvin Barker but uh, this is actually a pretty decent uh, match for us because we, we, we basically go 2-0 down uh, with some absolutely horrendous uh, horrendous defending horrendous defending funny enough Gavin Peacock scores for them on 57 minutes so we're decent two player, decent player yeah don't know what, whatever happened to Gavin Peacock mate yeah 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 I, I, I feel that he ended up wearing the uh... The blue of uh, of Chelsea. Did he? I think he also has a certain reverence about him. Yeah, very good, very good, Chelsea. Uh, but that's later. Uh, anyway, um, what happens is Townsend scores an absolutely just. I mean, basically, we come back into a world, eh? yeah, seventeen minutes. No, hang on a minute, just let me get through this, and you can can have, can, can say. But uh, Townsend scores an absolute worldie on seventy minutes. I mean, just wallops it in from outside the box, and why scores in the literally the last kick of the game with an overhead kick and a bit of a penalty box melee so we get away with a two-all draw a bit of fight and a bit of comeback jk it wasn't gavin peacock it was the other peacock the center half who went to play for newcastle because this peacock gavin peacock wasn't playing for rangers he eventually played for rangers after he'd played for us thank you i'll edit all of that out then (laughs) (laughs) very good because this is the peacock the center half with the ponytail who played for newcastle went to newcastle okay enough enough peacockery uh, yeah. So there we go. So we 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 really that was a good comeback actually. Uh, in in the season review, Ian Porterfield was was very happy and uh, impressed by Chelsea's ability to come back. But being also ch- another long throw, by the way. Yeah, you counting them? Well, they were they seemed to figure a lot because you think in terms of what did Jones contribute? Well, he was a long throw, I suppose. Yeah, can't argue with that, matey. Um, no. all, all right, so um, I'm going to whiz past very quickly the absolute debacle of getting knocked out by uh, Tranmere Rovers in the two-legged affair of the Rumbelows. The Rumbelows Cup. Yeah, well, I was going to say... Did they get to the final that year? Thank you, you, Clayton. Absolutely spot on. Then they were not as bad as we all thought that they were at the time, and they they did actually get to the final that year. I cannot remember for the life of me... uh, who they lost to, or they might have even won, I don't know. But Aldrich was playing no, for them. No. Yeah, so there you go. Uh, now, other than that, we drew two all uh, at home against uh, an Everton side containing, uh, of course, uh, the wonderful, much-lamented uh, Pat Nevin. Uh, and then mm. and then we go away to Arsenal. Now, of course, Arsenal, we're in six, by the way. You know, we're doing... We had a good start to the season. We had a few hiccups, but basically... I, I mean, I would have said sixth place, that stage of the season, I'm quite happy with that. But much as Chelsea had this ability occasionally to come back, like they did against QPR, they also had this wonderful capacity, as they still do to this day, of combusting. And they did that against Arsenal because they were 2-0 up uh, with goals from uh, Kerry, who scored a penalty. Uh, sorry, no, I'm thinking of a different Dixon. That was Lee Dixon. Doop, my bad. Uh 
the, the goal I talked about a minute ago when Kerry beat about three Arsenal players and slipped it through to Lasso, who scored on 14 minutes, and then uh, Kevin Wilson put 2 0 up on 20. But then it just basically all went tits up. You know, Dixon scores a penalty, bit of a dodgy pen, if you ask me. Ian Wright scores uh, on 47 minutes, and uh, Kevin Campbell scores on 70, uh, which was all in all very disappointing, even though uh, this is a this is a decent Arsenal side who were there or thereabouts winning the title a lot in those days. Uh, I mean, the cl- a classic Arsenal lineup: Seaman, Dixon, Winterburn, Thomas, Linigan, Pate. Colin Pates was playing for them. Bloody hell. Uh, Rocky Rowcastle, Ian Wright, O'Leary was still around, Smith, Campbell, Limpar, Merson. That's a decent Arsenal side, Clayton, isn't it? But, you know, should we have been losing 3 till after three to 2 after being 2 0 up? Well, basically, that was a period where. I suppose as a club and as a team, we never ever thought we could win at Arsenal because we didn't. Um, and I can't say I particularly remember that game, um, but we, they just had the hex over us. There was no way that we were ever going to beat them. I mean, to actually lose after being 2-0 up comes as no surprise. As you say, the penalty was very dodge. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, it... it the the one thing that came across from sort of just reviewing the season was how absolutely awful our defence was. I mean, really, really poor. Um, I couldn't work out the goalkeeping aspect of it because well, it was, the, I was going to come on to that because I, I was it was quite interesting considering what we're going through at the moment. The number of mistakes that Besson and Hitchcock made between them was just enormous, and but you can't you can't have goalkeepers sharing you you've got to have somebody in there and and that's it and you've got to stick with them I mean it just doesn't work and it didn't work mm, definitely the, the Bessons have been so wonderful the season before yeah that, that you you presume that it wasn't the, in fact it was the season before that it was the 89 the, the promotion winning season yeah yeah he, been... he was he was brilliant he came in and he was fantastic yeah, yeah. yeah that wonderful ability which you could see in in uh, in elements of it of he seemed to be able to close down players where you thought normally people would stay on the line, even particularly nowadays, modern goalkeepers stay on the line and trust their, their athletic ability. Whereas he would go absolutely towards the player having the shot and, and nine times out of 10 block it, which was great. But in this season, as in the yeah. season before, he seemed to start losing that ability and the ball would go underneath him a lot. And yeah. um, was he actually injured, Chidge? Do you remember the, for the whole of the season at the beginning? Because Hitchcock seemed to play more and more and and Hitchcock never struck me as being he, he was you know very springy and he, he had that kind of a bit uh, you can't deny if somebody's got that ability like Benetti always did it, it doesn't really matter how big you are if you as long as you're five foot ten or eleven you can get to the ball and and Hitchy used to be able to get to some some re- make some really fine stops but he started to look very very vulnerable and then suddenly Dave Besson came back in again and he similarly looked vulnerable so I absolutely agree with you Clayton it was a, a season of thinking neither of these goalkeepers is playing well enough I, I just so, uh, I, I mean it's, it's it's lovely isn't it we've, that we've got Clayton on on this particular issue because I think I think you raise a really interesting point there you know like where was Besson in the scheme of things where was Hitchcock and I think if I go back in my memory I think number one I think you know a bit like uh what uh, what Clayton was saying about any winger coming in after after Pat Nevin was, you know, and it, it took Pat Nevin to kind of replace Charlie Cook in people's affections. And I wonder if there's an issue here with goalkeepers too, because, you know, we had the cat, Peter Bonetti, for so long, who was such a great goalkeeper. Uh, and then if you kind of, if I go back in my mind about 
Chelsea goalkeepers who were good enough, who cut it. Eddie Niz- Nizviecki, obviously. I would also say Dave Besson. I think Dave, there were there were a couple of seasons where he was really, really good. Magnificent. He played for England. As yeah, constantly. exactly. Was magnificent. And yeah. then it all went Pete Tong. The next best goalkeeper that we've had in this kind of time period, I thought Karim was a decent keeper on his day. Uh, Ed De Hoy, then Carlo Cudicini, and then we're into modern times. But the rest of them, basically, none of them were good enough. Not even John Phillips, who had a bit of a purple patch. But I don't think, I mean, we've had had some absolutely awful keepers. Peter Perotta, bloody hell. Oh, madness, madness personified. Some of them would start well and then do something would happen to their confidence, you know, like Steve Francis, for example, who then subsequently played for Reading against us and was outstanding. But he he had a decent career, but he was he was never what the club required, the kind of elite goalkeeper the required. Well, you hope the club would want. But then when they when Barota just kept on appearing and you just thought he's. He's he, Barota was so annoying that he'd, he'd pull off some completely phenomenal save and let the ball through his legs for no apparent reason a few minutes later. So. Because he was pissed, as we subsequently found out. Clay- well, I, I, yeah, I, I agree with what you say. I mean, I, I think Steve Francis was... Um, I think we got rid of him too quickly. I always liked Steve Francis. He had a, a horror weekend where we basically, when we lost 4-0 at home to West Ham... And then on the Monday, lost 6-0 against QPR. And that was the last time he played, or one of the last times he played. And I think he was a young keeper playing in a shit defence. And I think they discarded him too quickly. I think if we would have stuck with him, he might have been good. But you're you're 100% right. I mean, lots of the goalkeepers that we had, because you forget we had Tony Godden, you know, Perry Digweed came in for a little bit. Um. We had some right old rubbish. I mean, we really did, with all Bob due Isles. respect to them. Sorry? Bob Isles. Bob Isles. Yeah. Oh, God, Bob Isles, who basically... The great story about Bob Isles was that he basically... Um, he had a clause in his contract when we bought him from Wheelstone for fourpence, and that basically said that once he played a certain amount of games, we had to play Wheelstone some more money, and therefore Bates stopped him ever playing again. <laughs> typical, typical Bates. All right, moving on. Uh, there's another high point coming up. Uh, where where did I get to in our little timeline? Yeah, the, the debacle against Tranmere, having uh, lost to Arsenal. We then face Liverpool at home. Now, we draw two all, uh, and I have to say, uh, another Jones goal, who, as I said, I think is becoming a bit of a cult figure by now. Uh, the great thing about this is a 17-year-old Andy Myers making his debut and scoring a cracking goal. Uh, and frankly, we were much the better side that day uh, in the two-all draw. I thought Liverpool were very lucky to get anything out of this. This, by the way, I think is the beginning of the awful Liverpool team. I mean, they get to the cup final this year and win it. But this is, I think, the beginning of their decline. You know, when they've got players playing like David Burrows, Tanner, the awful bloody Dean Saunders, Mark Walters... Um, that is not a great, you know, McMahon was a decent player, but I mean, you know, that is not a classic Liverpool team. But nevertheless, take nothing away from us, Clayton. I thought we were so much the better side that day. And it kind of, it's in keeping with this period of time when we, we were doing fairly well against Liverpool with the old blip. 
Der einzige Markt für das, was jetzt und in der Zukunft wertvoll ist. Die neuesten Sneakers, Kleidung, Elektronik, Sammlerstücke und vieles mehr. Alles hundertprozentig geprüft und authentisch. Mit StockX hast du Zugang zu Millionen von Produkten, die ausverkauft oder schwer zu finden sind. Und alle für den Preis, den sie wirklich wert sind. Denn wir alle sollten das kriegen, was wir gerne haben möchten. StockX – Zugang zu aktuellen Trends. Finde, was du brauchst auf StockX.com. Real Fans, Real Opinions. I'm Jason Cundy and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total Nutters and Proper Chelsea. Yeah, no, that that was um, that was a really good performance, uh, and it was quite interesting watching those highlights again when they when Ian Rush scored the equaliser and they said that was his first goal of the season. And what was that? That was that was good, good few games in nineteenth of October. Yeah, so I mean. Yeah, we we played well. I mean, my my overall view of this season is this is or was a typical Chelsea season. Absolutely, some standout performances did really really well, and <laughs> had some absolute horrors. It's it was at at, at that time that was what. Supporting Chelsea was all about. Just to underline that, J.K. Clayton's absolutely spot on. As I said, I think we've been doing pretty well up till then, and I think that Liverpool performance underlines it. And then we just have this one of a typical horrible, horrible Chelsea uh, kind of period where it's like nil. We we draw nil nil against Palace, not a bad result. We beat Coventry one nil, not a bad result. We get absolutely dumped by. Uh, by Norwich at home three nil, and the, you know the the worst thing about this. Uh, is that Fleck, uh, Robert <laughs> Fleck scores two, one of which I have to say was an absolute worldie. I mean, a really good, good, good uh, win. We then, that, that hang on a minute, let me just yeah. run through and then I'll go yeah. back, all right? We lose 1 0 to Southampton. Uh, we drew two all uh, with Ipswich in the den of data. We beat Forest 1 0, and then we get dubbed by Sheffield Wednesday 3 0. Again, they're a very decent side at that time. And then we end up losing. Uh, 3-1 to Man United at home uh, just before Christmas. So we, we, it was a horrible... Hor- and, and we lost to, to, to Notts County 2-0 and Luton 2-0 for the last two games of the year. So it just a horrible kind of, you know, winter period. But go back to the, the Norwich game, JK. Um, I was, of course, there. And uh, Fleck played completely out of his skin and was absolutely excellent. And this final volleyed goal for the end of the area completely superb goal you just thought wow what a player and it was that that obviously not only did I have that thought but Ken Bates had the it was same your fault thought. you you went up to Ken didn't fault. you and say yeah. bye Robert Fleck we were as one because you, you were on you were on you know talking terms with Ken in those days you particularly as misses no 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 not 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 then soon to be afterwards <laughs> about three years time from this but no he was just he was below me and well I also just to talk briefly about this but I was always confused by the stand because um you know I had a season ticket and I thought that that 
the, the season tickets were hard to come by. And yet you'd go to a game like that and there'd be about 15,000 there and there'd be nobody around you in the upper tier. So clearly people, season tickets weren't selling very well in the East Stand and the lower East Stand would be completely empty either side and there would be a dribble of people in the middle. So it can't have been that people were staying away. It must have been that they just didn't sell many season tickets in the East Stand. Do you but, know what, um, the average home attendance around this period is about 18,000? Yeah, absolutely. So they're, they're massive holes, but it always seemed to be in the in the East Stand. If you look at the shots from the uh, um, of, of the of the TV excerpts that we keep watching, I always think uh, there I you know I'm looking at my bit. My bit's quite full, right in the middle of the of the uh, East Stand upper, but um, just around it and above it, empty. So therefore, they were just waiting. They they didn't have season, many season tickets um, in season ticket attendees watching those games. Um, but anyway, but Flex scored these. He, well, he was everywhere, non-stop running. And um, and Bates then obviously thought he's the man for me. And then the following season, five million pounds exchanges hands. And we're we're subjected to a rather chubby man running around into the wing and falling over a lot for the well, rest. You of know us. what, JK, it could have been worse. We could have bought uh, the bloke, the striker who was a, a sub for Norwich that day, Chris Sutton. Of course, that, yeah, would, that, that would never been, happen, yeah, obviously. That would, yeah, that would never, ever have happened. But um, um, uh, also during this period, we did a bizarre piece of, of purchasing, which was to buy Clive Allen. Yeah, I'm gonna, can I just park that for a second? Cause, yeah, cause let's, that, let's, that, that becomes very interesting, as, as I say, for the, the next month or two. But before that, um, going back to the Wednesday, some of these horrible losses... Uh, we lose 3-0 to, to Sheffield Wednesday, which actually at that time wasn't a disgrace. They were a decent side. But the interesting thing is, uh, Clayton, that both Kevin Hitchcock and Nigel Worthington get sent off. Um, but as Jonathan rightly says, um, you know, we, we've just literally, this is about the 6th of December, and we've paid 250 grand for Clive Allen from Man City. And of course, being Clive Allen, he scores uh, uh, on his debut uh, and he scores uh, against. Uh, I think it was. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't Sheffield Wednesday that he. That he. Hang on. Let me just check to see when he, he made. Scores his... against Man U. Yeah, his debut was Sheffield Wednesday. He didn't score. I've got that wrong. He didn't score on his debut for Wednesday, uh, but he did score uh, against uh, Man United in the three-one. But the f- remarkable thing is, chaps, you know, in amid this horrible period, which we now slip down to twelfth by the end of the year, you know, that we're always erratic and everything. But number one, this period, I mean, it just reiterated watching the highlights again. I mean, Alan was on fire. By the time we play Spurs, uh, I think at the beginning uh, of the year, getting towards January, yeah, we play them on the 11th of January. He, I think he'd scored five, he scores in that one. Five in six he scored. So he scored yeah. against Spurs. He scored, scored against Man City. Man City in the 1-1 there. Of course, he's old bloody he club. two against Oldham. Two against Oldham. And then he scored against Spurs. And he scores against Wimbledon. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, just to kind of like, without getting too kind of drawn up and boring about it, I mean, I worked it out. I think he scored uh, something like 10 goals in 22 games, uh, all competitions. But the remarkable thing is, you look at some of the goals he scores, uh, you know, he scores... Well, I know we'll get on to the things like the cup matches in a minute. But, you know, he scores some really, really important goals. But he gets sold. He gets sold to bloody West Ham. 
<laughs> right? Uh, and then, and then I know 20, 27th of March. So we bought him. We bought him on the 6th of December. He scores pretty much one goal every two games, which is a good rate for a striker. And but I have to great say, a goal, lot. Kid, yeah, kid, yeah, great goals. Totally. Not, not just not tap-ins. Great phenomenal goals. Angle one, one, of, one of the best goal scorers in my yeah, lifetime. Yeah, yeah. But he scored in 86-87. He scored 49 goals. And was player, we was player of the year. So Spurs what, still didn't win the league. No, they didn't. They didn't. But, but So what? What was going on? What the, I, I, mean, I, I was. I've actually questioned him about this. I met him at an airport. What did he say? What did he I say? Said, he said, uh, "Oh, he was a bit, you know." I just said, "Oh my God!" I said, "Clive Allen, what a wonderful goal scorer!" But why? Why did they I sell him? Why, why did they sell him? I didn't. I it didn't was get money, wasn't it? Because yeah, basically, yeah. he got sold transfer deadline day. He got sold. Cundy got sold, and somebody else got sold. And the speculation always was that we were desperate for funds. For money. Because yeah. Cundy didn't want to go. Yeah. No. Yeah. Cundy's yeah. always said he never wanted to go. But, but, didn't yeah, know anything but, about but it. But also the, the, the madness of also then, why did they have Cascarino as well when you knew that if they got rid of Allen, we'd end up with Cascarino. We got rid of Dixon. Cascarino would be the centre forward. And he truly was. He was. And all right. He was a decentish player, but he was there for you know. He wasn't. He was a lump. No, all right. He played well. He played very well. He always played very well for Ireland. He was a bloody as, hairdresser. I remember. You know it. I remember that that great line. I was standing outside. There was an Irish couple lived. I was living in Tooting. Lived on the corner. And when when he scored that goal against England, they were at three o'clock in the morning. Who put the ball in the English net? Tony Cascarino. And you just think, yes, yes. He always played terribly well for it for for Ireland. I, I remember. I, I remember the. I, I know we. The, the, I can't remember that three 0 defeat. That was at Wednesday, wasn't it? But I think they also gubbed us at home, didn't they? Yeah, as well, three 0 at home as well later on. I remember six oh six when Danny Baker did it when it was absolutely brilliant, and he sort of went through the scores at the beginning of the show, and he went Chelsea nil, Sheffield Wednesday three. Hmm. See that Anthony Cascarino is weaving his magic at the bridge. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um. A very strange buy. I mean, I think, I think, um, you know, I, I, again, you know, I think we can do a fair amount of reading between the lines here. I, 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 you know, maybe you're right. Maybe it was money. Although I have to say, they sold Clive for what they paid for him, which is yeah. so. Those they were net neutral. But, but on that, that that was wage getting wages off the books. Well, it could have been because it just does not make any sense. The, the, he's got a. I mean, he is our best striker. I mean, actually, he ends up by the end of the season with bloody uh, 10 goals being our best striker which is just nuts so it just makes no sense but reading between the lines a bit why did they buy Tony Cascarino and if you think about it they they sell Kevin Wilson um oh, about well, a month about yeah a yeah. couple of months later to Notts County who I loved I, I forgot how brilliant he was Kerry's legs are going but he's still doing a job they get rid of Clive Allen they've got Joe Allen I mean, the, the feeling was that they'd got Cascarino because they wanted a big man up front, which seems to seriously question Porterfield's uh, strategy and tactics here. But we'll park old Cass for a minute, who's who's actually a really lovely bloke, I have to say, much as we want great to... Great book, wrote a great oh, book. Yeah, uh, I was a, just about to say, one of the best books, yeah, football biographies brilliant. ever. And he, and he is, he's genuinely a, a lovely guy. Um, but we, we can't, we can't uh, you know, let this slip, uh, no pun intended, because having... You know, clearly just absolutely combusted up until uh, the end of uh, uh, the uh, 
the year. As I said, you know, we need to recap on the fact that normal service, of course, is resumed by beating Spurs 2-0. And, of course, now we're into the FA Cup. Now, you know, this is a time when, you know, we, we really should be giving the Cup uh, a bit of a go, although we, we seem to have this appalling record uh, getting very far in it. But uh, I think this year smells a bit different. Uh, we play Everton, you know, decent side, obviously, uh, in the uh, in the third round, and Kevin Wilson is the sub. But guess who scores the one nil in the one nil win? Clive Allen, of course. Uh, and of course, that takes us the fourth round. Chidge. Third round is Hull, isn't it? I'm so sorry, you're dead right. I whizzed my my finger was was too busy. I think is the only way I could put that. Yeah, we uh, we beat Hull up there at Boothbury Park. Vinnie Jones uh, and and Dennis Wise. That gets us through to the fourth round, which of course is against Everton, where we win one nil. And then that takes us uh, on to uh, what comes after four, the fifth round, which is against Sheffield United at home. And this takes us back to what Jonathan was going on about a while ago, where uh, Vinnie Jones, in, I, I, I have to say, I mean, I know you boys don't really approve or like it too much, but I have to say it's one of my favourite favorite football moments ever, let alone a Chelsea or Vinnie Jones moment. But he manages to get booked inside a minute. I mean, it's basically from the kickoff. Sheffield uh, United kicked off, passed it to some bloke, and Jones just went through him like a like a you know a knife through butter. It was just hilarious, and uh, of course he get booked. You you both would have been there, I would imagine, and remember oh, this well. I was I was there. I was, but all, everything had already been um, sort of hyped up about him as was he the dirtiest player in the league? I remember at that time there were articles about this, and almost once again stereotypically panto villain he then achieves something in the first 10 seconds i think it was personal because he'd played for united of course and i think he just wanted to uh, smash somebody smash somebody yeah. oh, i i i agree he 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 was so psyched up for that guy. i remember yeah. before the game going round and sort of you know yeah. Yeah. g'ing everybody up and all the rest of it he was. i mean you know for, from that point of view he was he was obviously good because he wanted he was a winner and wanted to win uh, and that's about it, really. Well, I'm going to I'm going to add to that, and actually, with a funny little story, because uh, one of my favourite Welsh people in the world is a lovely lady I used to work with, uh, and she she was also called Jones, and she used to say to me sometimes, "Oh, Chidge, you've got more faces than the Pandy clock," which of course is a is the four faced clock in Tony Pandy. Uh, anyway, her namesake uh, also wears many faces, I think, and uh, I think arguably our best match of the year. I would say. Um, I'd be interested to hear what the boys have to think about this. But this is one that I think, if you say season 91-92 to people, this is probably the match they will remember most. Uh, But we went up to play Liverpool at Anfield on the 1st of February. And we have not beaten Liverpool in Anfield since 1935. And my goodness me, we only go and win 2-1. But the first goal was by Vincent Jones on 20 minutes and it is an absolute worldie. He kind of flicks it up and absolutely wallops it past Grobler in the the cop end. Dennis Wise scores on 75 minutes and in fact, actually, we should have won 3-1 because Wisey misses a penalty or more to the point. Grobler pulls off a really good save on 83 minutes. There's a couple of other things uh, about this which we, we have to comment on. Uh, but uh, the the newspaper reports said that uh, Liverpool had been mugged by the crazy gang of Jones and Wise, and uh, apocryphally, well, I don't know if this is true or not, but apparently, you know, there's a very famous, you know, this is Anfield sign where the players walk under under it, don't they, to get on the pitch? Apparently, uh, 
somebody had scribbled on it we're bothered very much suspected to be very much suspected to be jones and wisey which is the kind of thing that they would do but it was a great win and that jones goal lives long in the memory doesn't it clayton oh yeah absolutely i mean i remember i mean this is the the days before live tv and this that and the other and i was out doing something and I got home and I just thought, oh, God, I wonder how many they talked us. One for match of the day, wasn't it? Yeah, and I I was astounded. I was absolutely astounded at the score and then obviously saw match of the day. But, yeah, no, could, um, but this is Chelsea, isn't it? I mean, it was... it's ridiculous. There's no way that we expected to go and do it. However poor Liverpool were, we haven't won there for 55 years. And then we go and do that. And... Finney Jones scoring a goal which, you know, anybody, anybody would be proud of. Yeah, There was always great joy in that period of, uh, of deliberately not finding out what the results were. So you could watch Match of the Day as if it were a, a brief 10 minutes live of the game or even less. So I, you never, I rarely knew the results. And well, definitely... you could do that apart from the fact that you were desperate to know what Chelsea did. No, well, I was, anyway. no, no, I, I never did that. I had that that self discipline to enable me to uh, to skulk round alleyways and uh, keep my head down and never never know the result. So I would then, to the consequence which the great whooping occurred from me when when the Jones goal went in, uh, in even in the highlights, and uh, and when Dennis scored, and, the, and even when he missed the penalty, I'm going oh! But at the same time, there's a great feeling of. Yeah, I've seen this vaguely live, which uh, I always managed to try to do. Yeah, that was Jones's goal was just I was absolutely typical of the man because he was such a caricature. And then lo and behold, this brilliant volley from the edge of the area. Uh, wow. I'm, I'm just checking up on this because my memory is, is absolutely rubbish, as we all know. But the, the, it should be remembered that there was a period when match of the day wasn't actually on the air and i'm wondering if it if it was well, it must have been the big match then the following it, day well if it was around this time because you whatever know, it was i still managed chidge not to know the result yeah i i can't find it cuz you know basically the bbc are like russia and china they just populate google with bloody links to the current program where what i want is a bit of wikipedia on there so i can find it quickly but yeah yes. um well I'll, I'll come back to it next week but you know it was a really really weird time for, for for televised football itv were getting a lot of the main um that's why i'm thinking maybe the match of the day didn't exist then because uh, you know itv were doing a lot of the coverage and getting a lot of live matches actually in in in, in division one that that season and this is before sky basically invent the premier league but sky are also covering or bt was it b sky b it would have been in those B-Sky days sky b yeah yeah they were doing a lot of coverage so i i i don't think the bbc had the rights to the football in those days but anyway a lot of sky sports stuff in the yeah uh, there was the highlights there. Yeah. Saw. and and because it, it had andy gray being a very different um, pundit, how he ended up. Andy yeah. Gray screaming a lot. Slimmer. No, no, we didn't see him. He was the other, other, um, uh, other commentator. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So there we go. We beat Liverpool. Uh, actually, we're now back up to sixth. So you know, we're doing our usual, you know, bloody up and down like a yo-yo kind of thing. Now we've got the uh, quarterfinal of the FA Cup coming up against Sunderland. 
in the end of March. But uh, before we get to that, I just ha- should have a, a, have a recap on some of the other matches that we that we played after Liverpool. We beat we draw against Palace, uh, where Tony Cascarino makes his debut and of course scores an absolutely awful comedy goal. It basically bounced off him. Uh, we draw one one against Southampton in. Uh, in the in the in the league, Andy Townsend scores. Uh, Michael Jilks makes his final appearance for the club, having made his debut literally games before. What a weird, weird player that was. Uh, we beat uh, right. We, we Sheffield United, as I said, we, uh, beat them in the cup. We draw one one away to Forest. Uh, Edward Sheringham scores in the first minute for them. You'll Clive, never beat Des Walker. You'll never. Well, we did that, that day because uh, Clive Allen scored on seventy three minutes. Yeah. Uh, we draw uh, against Man United which uh, is memorable for, for several things, really. One is a, an absolutely hilarious Mal Donaghy own goal. Uh, I mean, who on earth would go and sign him after his Man United career? I just can't fathom that one out after that own goal. Oh, it was Chelsea. Uh, and, of course, two offside Man United goals. I mean, these were the days when uh, you would get Man United goals called offside at Old Trafford. So Fergie's clearly not weaving his magic. Um and as Clayton said, we got we get dubbed by uh, Sheffield Wednesday 3 0 uh, again at home. Uh, and, and then we have uh, the, uh, the uh, FA Cup quarterfinal against Sunderland at Stamford Bridge. And uh, I'm going to ask the boys, who no doubt were both there, A, how they felt before this. We're now in a quarterfinal of a cup, we're playing a second division team. Are you smelling Wembley yet, uh, Clayton? Yeah, I think we were, to be perfectly honest. Um, I was because I, I I would have to say that the it was heartbreaking. The whole tie was heartbreaking. We were one 0 up, weren't we? They they scored late in the second half. Uh, John Byrne. I can't actually remember whether John Byrne had actually gone from QPR to them or went from Sunderland to QPR because he no, always no, scored against way. us. No, it was it was Rangers it, to Sunderland. It was. He yeah, always, yeah, he always scored, scored against in us. Fact, in fact, we were confident he would score. I yeah. remember watching the game thinking he'll score against us. He always does. So. But we played really well that night yeah. and then just couldn't finish it off. Scrappy goal. Alan, yeah, Alan, so. sco- Alan scored our goal, of course, yeah. to put us 1-0 up. But... Yeah. Uh, we should have we should have gone through then because as you as you said we were the better team really and you know yeah. we, we just knew that they were going to equalise which means we play a replay so we go up to Rooka Park um, and and I mean I, I I have to say you know of this era I think this is probably one of one of the biggest disappointments I had you know because like you lot I thought hello hello I can smell Wembley uh, and and I I just thought this game. I mean, Jesus. I thought Besant was really unlucky for the first goal. And then Kerry goes close. Great save. Wisey goes close. Andy Townsend gets a shot off the line. Finally, Dennis Wise equalises on 86 minutes. And then from a bloody corner, Armstrong heads the ball in on 88 minutes. I mean, basically he was standing on the penalty spot. So bad defending. But, you know, to, to head a ball past the keeper from that far out, you think, what? And it's just had one of those kind of it's just not not our night kind of feelings about it, J.K. Well, I I remember the game at the bridge where I think we were completely all over them, and it it, it was just a, they they sort of just 
got a breakaway well, goal. Well, I think we were all over them in the replay as well. How we lost yeah. that 2-1, I'll never know. No, that's true. Well, there are, it was a very partisan crowd and... Uh, um, I think Norman was it. Norman was the goalkeeper. I think he played. Yeah, he made some out. tremendous saves. Again, on both in both games, he was absolutely phenomenal. Um, so yeah, but uh, I, I always, in this instances, was slightly bemused with the two centre halves who we always thought were supposedly top banana, but they missed this kind of thing quite regularly. They'd be headers from areas where you think, surely, hang on, Moncow and and Elliot are surely better than leaving these players just to head in from from unmarked positions it was a very it, i always found the defense slightly peculiar but i found that i found all our performances sort of it was this mixture of excellence and and ridiculous Shite. yeah yes exactly it was it was this bizarre thing of great skill with some fantastic players i mean you think about it townsend at the top of his game terrific player wisey fantastic soxy fantastic um, uh, Alan, completely brilliant centre forward. Um, uh, Clark, fabulous right back. Um, the left back by that. Well, Bobby Stewart kept coming into play right wing, um, and he was. People were talking about him playing for England, even after playing very few games, because he seemed to be um, very, very good indeed. And, and I think he. He played large numbers of games towards the end of the season, didn't he, Chidge? I think. Uh, yeah, he, he did. And I mean, one one player that neither of you two have mentioned, nor have I, in, in, and I think this is, is relevant in terms of the quality of the players that we had at our disposal, of course, is Paul Elliott, who came in. No, no, I've, I've, no, I've been mentioning him earlier. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think we haven't we haven't talked about him in we haven't talked about him at length, have we? And no, no, and, no, no. You know, he ends up being our player of the year this season. But he was. I mean, what what staggers me. Again, that's funny what, what tricks the old memory does to you, you know, because my, my remembrance of, you know, because, of course, I think it's next season, isn't it, he gets injured out of the game by that odious little shit, Dean Saunders. But, you know, he was our player of the year this season. It was absolutely justified. I always kind of hark back to that year and think, oh, my God, yeah, he was superb. He was such a commanding defender, loads of time on the ball, real, real quality. Uh, and, of course, um, you know, he scored and, you know, chipped him with a few goals. And yet, we've been moaning all 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 evening about how bloody awful our defence has been for half. Of it. Maybe we could just blame Ch- Jason uh, Clayton. Cundy, Cundy's no, fault. I, Cundy's fault. I think that the surprising thing was from watching the highlights as to how bad because we always perceive and rightly so that Paul Elliott was a fantastic defender, great leader, etc. He was part of that defence, which was hopeless. And the amount of headed goals that we conceded... That's my point. As I was saying, Mon- yeah, he was I, a I, I 100% agree with you. And, and that, that Sunderland goal was a prime example. You know, this was a free header from about... I mean, it was, it was about 15 yards out. And there was nowhere near him. That Sunderland game was... That was a killer. That was the worst I'd felt after a Chelsea defeat for a long time. Because, as you say, it was the quarterfinals. We hadn't got that far since, I think, we were beaten by Spurs. We'd have have played Portsmouth in the semi. uh, And it was just... It it was because we battered them and battered them and didn't think we were going to equalise. And in true Chelsea style, when all hope was given up, we score and it's like, ah, oh, thank God, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. And by the time we basically sat back down 
I think they just went, I think they kicked off, got a corner and equalised. And it was just like, oh, no. And I can't remember the actual facts, but didn't um, on the coach going home, didn't uh, Townsend and Wisey have a punch up? I don't don't know. Tell me. I, I think there was a massive falling out on the coach going back. Pretty sure of it. Clearly, I don't know. clearly Dennis won. <laughs> Judging well, by what happened. Townsend left shortly after. Exactly, exactly. JK, you, you want to uh, eulogise uh, Paul, Paul Elliott, I know, and I'm sorry we kind of drifted off back no, to no, the No, no, far from it. No, I was saying the, the, the... I said we had mentioned him. I was, I was just echoing what Clayton was saying, was I was confused by the fact that we had Moncow, who'd been fantastic the year before, and Elliot's two centre halves, and yet we were constantly giving away headers. Exactly what Clayton said. I was, and 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 you look at on um, the, the team should have been. You look at them, the p- players they had. Why was this happening? You got Clark at, at right back for part for part of the period up until then. You had Boyd, who was a terrific left back. Who's who's slot- and was it Myers slotted in at left back when? Um, when he went, because oh, when Gareth Hall didn't get a kick for the season, practically, did he? And he'd been regular the season before. But you, I suppose it's because Clark was um, Clark had fallen out with Campbell in some way, hadn't he? Whereas he was picked by Besant. Yeah. But who was left? Who was left back? I've forgotten here. Um, who did he pick left back? Because it wasn't. Well, if it uh, wasn't, if it wasn't Tommy Boyd, you mean? Yeah, yeah. When we sold Boyd, we ran about this time. Well, we 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 did. I mean, I, I can tell you who was. Uh, oh my God! Guess he's yeah. Dope. Frank Sinclair. Of course it was Frank. Yes. Don't. Frank came in. At the Absolutely. end of the season. Mad Frank, yeah. Mad Frank. He, he did break in. Right. I think Andy Myers, Andy Myers was playing more on the wing when he, no, he when was he, he was the winger. Yeah. In. Well we we actually had great aspirations for Andy Myers. Yeah, he was a good player. That he, well he, he never really pushed through. He was seventeen, wasn't he, when he was playing yeah. in I mean, it's interesting what you say actually, and I think this is worth kind of just, just dwelling on this in a minute because you're right. I mean, the only thing I can think of, maybe Clayton's got a view on this, is the is the uncertainty with the keepers. You know, Besson beginning to throw the ball in. Hitchcock never really good enough. Bless him. But you're right. I mean, you look at the central defenders we've got as well as the as the as the uh, fullbacks. You've got Paul Elliott, who we all think is a fantastic player. Uh, Ken Moncow, who we think has has been a really good central defender for us. And, you know, I know we joke about him because he's, he's such a good mate. But, you know, Cundy was highly, highly rated uh, by the club and the supporters. I mean, he was well loved by the supporters. Maybe there's a bit of, you know, he used to be on the terraces with us going on there too. But Jace was a good central. I mean, you know, Jace broke into the England under 21s. I mean, Jace was a good defender. Uh, and, and yet we watched some of this footage and they look like the Keystone Cops. Absolutely bewildering, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple of things that I'd say. I think as we are witnessing now the defence has to be helped by the midfield and you do actually wonder how much defending was done by our midfield at the well, time. Well, you've got Vinnie Jones in there as a destroyer and Andy Townsend <laughs> used to come back and, you know... Well, he was, he was box to box. He, I, I, he didn't really break things up in, no. as far as I can remember. But I think that the, the point is, I think that the pitches were awful and I think that you know, a lot of times the ball's getting stuck and I'd, and what have you. But it's just very strange because I can't remember when did um, when did Don Howe next year coach for us? Was it? The, sorry, what was that? I think it's next year. It's next year. 
because he was brought in because we were such a shambles at the back. And I think that obviously Porterfield, who was a striker, that wasn't his strong point. Um, so it is, it, it is a complete enigma because, you know, Paul Elliott was a fantastic defender. And as you say, we had some decent defenders. We had great, great fullbacks. Um, but yeah, I don't, I mean, looking at that, how many goals were the faults of goalkeepers? Quite a lot, <laughs> to be honest. It was quite a lot of really comical goals let in. And I, I just don't think sharing the duties ever works. Well, we, and I, I sincerely hope that's not what we're going to do this season. I mean, we, we <laughs> you, well, quite. I mean, our goal difference was minus 10. Uh, we let in 60 and we scored 50. I, I, I think we... We were certainly very much under par scoring. And actually, you know, we're about par. I mean, I'm just trying to think. Uh, there were, uh, I mean, interestingly enough, there were two sides who finished above us who let in more goals than us, and that's Palace and Sheffield United. And there are one, two, three, four who actually, so we were, yeah, we were one of the worst worst defensive size that season I mean on on, def- on on goals let in we would have finished about 18th so I think that I think that we are we're kind of working through this this is quite exciting actually we kind of our brains you can see the cogs working in our brains as we're doing the show not if only you could see it it'd be quite fascinating I'm sure anyway back to the football um, my view on this is that after the Sunderland game after being knocked out of the FA Cup our season basically just fizzles out I mean you know when I yeah. when I actually I actually uh entitled because I like kind of I title these little chapters which I don't bother sharing with the audience just to kind of keep me interested as I'm going along really but that, that whole idea of uh probably Jonesy and Wisey sc- scrawling in I like I, I like in my mind's eye I see it as scrawling uh in big black marker pen we're bothered on the this is Anfield side I've actually called this we're bothered actually we're not bothered because pretty much after Sunderland the whole team looked like they were absolutely not bothered the next match after the Sunderland game uh, we lose 2-1 to uh, Sheffield United. Now, this is notable for three extraordinary reasons. Uh, the first one is it's Clive Allen's final appearance, which we still can't get our head round. The second is it's Jason Cundy's final appearance, which we were very, very cross about at the time. In fact, going to the extent of bring writing, in talking of black marker pen, bring Cundy back on the uh, East Dan wall. Uh, but the most remarkable thing of all is that Jason Victor Cundy scores a goal on 50 minutes. Were you two there? Do you remember this momentous occasion? Home against uh, Sheffield United. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Wasn't a bad I, goal. I, I, I certainly wasn't there, and I've got no recollection of that whatsoever. It's almost so unbelievable that it can't possibly be true unless you actually witnessed it, Clayton. Yeah, no, it's 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 quite... Um, it's like you said after that Sunderland game, it was it was somebody taking the air out of a balloon. Yeah, it was just like we're not we're not going to qualify for Europe, we're not going to go down. What's the point? What's the point? And then and and then they basically sold those players, and it was just like oh, you know, couldn't wait for the season to end. And maybe that's also what they were thinking too. But J.K., you you were at the game. You remember Cundy scoring? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. When we had great hopes for him. Yeah. We thought he was a really decent player. Yeah, he was, yeah, yeah. But he's got a goal. Good for him, you know. But it's interesting to see that the the uh, they made a profit of three million one hundred forty five thousand on the transfers, isn't it, at the time? Yeah. And uh, so that to me spoke volumes as to what Bates was all about. 
Yeah, um, balancing the books. But yeah, well, making yeah, not even balancing them, making a profit on it. Yeah, um, I've just I've, I checked earlier that basically Cabra didn't actually go into um, receivership until the following December. So it's still a while. So, yeah, yeah. So we, we didn't the secure the bridge time. until December of January of the following year. So he's probably after funds to try and fight it, isn't he, really? Well, yeah. you know, you, I mean, I have to say, much as we're very cross about all of this, you know, Bates's financial management of the club, and also, it should not be forgotten, uh, Colin Hutchinson, I, who I thought was a really shrewd, shrewd businessman in that context, uh, you know, are, are arguably doing the right things, given what else is going on around the club. So, I mean, some of these decisions we're looking at purely from a football point of view, saying, you what but actually you know maybe it belies what was going on behind the scenes which we're kind of alluding to there um we we then play uh by the way man city we draw nil nil up there and then we play uh soon to be relegated i'm delighted to say soon to be relegated west ham uh, at the bridge uh now featuring of course one clive allen, allen. guess what he does jonathan he scores of against course he does of course he does I mean, he's a bit like Jimmy Greaves, Clive Allen. He always seems to score on his debut or against sides he played against. I mean, you could, you know, absolutely, you know, well, just guarantee Once again, I'll going on about this. He, he didn't score tap-ins. He didn't score easy goals. He was always scoring bizarre volleys from acute angles and and just, just first-time shots where you think there wasn't a shot on. Oh, my goodness, he scored. Bloody hell. He was great. He was a great player. What on earth did they do? Oh, God. This was also uh, Darren Barnard's uh, debut, by the way. Um, He was all right. I liked him. Yeah, he wasn't bad at all. Yeah, go on. No, he was a decent player. He he hardly played for us, didn't he? He ended up going to Charlton. Uh, I don't know. Darren Barnard's kind of, you know... Escape my consciousness somewhat. He was left back, wasn't he, Clayton? Yeah. Left back. Yeah. He was, yeah. He was quite good. Yeah. Yeah, he was. And he I played in fact he played in fact uh, I don't think Frank played all the time. I think it was him and uh him and Darren Barnard played. Well yeah, once again I remember thinking, you do, you're encouraging of youth, you want them to do well. Did well, thought it was a decent performance. Let's see what's next season's gonna bring out for him. Yeah, I mean the other interesting thing to note here is that Craig Burley starts. I I'm I'm yeah. I'm thinking, oh, you know, did Craig Burley play for us the season before then? Because I'm I was thinking it must have been his debut around now, but he must have he must have played before. That's why I kind of went on a bit of a brain fart. He played, he played once the season before. He as did, well. didn't he? He He's did. Very young. But it's the same way Eddie Newton actually has a game as well. Well, we're he? getting to that, Jonathan. Premature ejaculation. What have I told you about that? Sorry about that. So Dar- Darren Barnard played twenty nine times in five seasons. Bloody hell. And then went off to Bristol City and mostly Played for Bristol City, Barnsley, Grimsby. We're confusing We're confusing him with Barnes. I'm sorry. Oh right. Okay. No, that's uh, his name was Anthony Barnes. Anthony Barnes. Absolutely. I'm confusing him. Sorry. Yeah, Barnard played midfield, but even yeah, but he was. I still thought he was pretty good. I thought he was a decent player. Yeah. Uh, and uh, as you say, Bristol City, then Barnsley. He had a decent career actually. Down yeah. there. Lower divisions, yeah. Right, so yeah. we're now we're now kind of slipping towards the uh you know the dying rights of this season. We we go up to Leeds after West Ham. We lose three nil. Pretty comprehensive uh, dubbing, really. Leeds are, are 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 in this kind of infamous duking it out with Man United. United 
of course, still haven't won a, a, a first division title since Busby's days. Uh, Leeds, of course, haven't done anything since Revy was around and it all goes down to the last match where Leeds win. But uh, the interesting thing about this match, I think, is not just that we lost 3-0, but uh, Eric Cantona, who, or Cantona, who's been brought in uh, really to, you know, to get Leeds over the line, scores a classic Cantona. I mean, whatever one thinks of Cantona, I, I happen to, I liked him as a player. Wonderful player. Yeah, he, he just Wonderful. had that edge about him, didn't he? But he scores Wonderful. a brilliant goal. Uh, I mean, if you if you love football, you can't help but love Cantona. I loved yeah. his arrogance, mate. Oh, what a character! Yeah. I loved his goal celebration. Score a goal, and just stand there as if to say, "Look at me, I'm the best in the world." Well, he oh. was indeed, and I think he was. I think he was stooping uh, Leslie Ash allegedly, which is who was uh, married to uh, Lee Chapman, which is why he got sold to United. So they say. So oh, they so say. Allegedly. Well, we don't deal with we don't deal with idle rumours on this show, do we, J.K.? No, we definitely don't. Never. Do. We'd never do that. Uh, anyway, we then play QPR. We win 2-1, which is a delight. Um, they actually finish above us this season, I think. Uh, and then we lose 3-1 to Villa in the penultimate, uh, almost penultimate match. Uh, nothing really to write home about about these matches at all. Last home match of the season uh, is against uh, the Arsenal. Uh, and uh, we draw one all. We looked as though we might be winning this match, actually. Um, but sadly, Lee Dixon scores on 88 minutes. Decent goal, actually. And then An Arsenal fallback scoring an equaliser slash winner in the last couple of minutes. That was a foretaste of what was to come. Well, wasn't it just? Um, I mean, our side's quite interesting. I mean, it's Besson, Sinclair, Lasseau. Lasseau's now been moved back to left back, actually, interestingly enough. Uh, no sign of Stevie Clark. Maybe he's injured. Vinnie Jones. Erlen Jonsson's back because, of course, Cundy's got the... You know, he's been sent off to uh, Spurs. Ken Moncow uh, is uh, is playing in central defence. He gets substituted by Gareth Hall. Graham Stewart starts on the wing, and then Damian Matthews subs him. Andy Townsend, Kerry Dixon, Tony Cascarino, Dennis Wise. So interesting how things are evolving. And the last match of the season is away for uh, for us uh, up at. Uh, uh, Goodison Park against Everton where we lose 2-1 the notable things for there are a few notables for this one the first one Eddie Newton makes his debut the lovely Eddie Newton and of course he scores on his debut on 72 minutes bit of a consolation goal uh, because before that Everton uh, have gone one up through a uh, Peter Beardsley penalty uh, a penalty I think given I, I think Moncow fouls him and then as 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 Beersley gets up and is walking away, Moncow, who's about literally twice his height, actually playfully slaps him on the back of the head. Uh, and the odious prick of a manager, uh, this is bizarre, his name is John C. Deacon. I think we all know what the C stands for. Uh, but he's actually from a fictitious place in Wales called Llantwit Major. So he's a twit major as well. And his middle initial is C. You couldn't make it up, could you, Clayton? You called him the manager, you mean the referee? I meant the referee, so I completely ruined that gag, but never mind. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, John C. Deacon, Chantwit Major, sends Ken Moncow off for giving uh, Beersley a playful slap on the back of the head. This, by the way, is also Ken Moncow's last appearance for Chelsea. And of course, most sadly of all, it's Kerry Dixon's last appearance for Chelsea. So... Um, weird, isn't it? Eddie Newton starting his Chelsea journey and Ken Moncow and Kerry Dixon ending theirs. I didn't realise that. That is, that is very sad. 
Mm. JK, you in mourning still or what? No, no, I'm just sort of bemused by the turnover of idiocy that, you know, you just everybody uh, in and out that seems to be happening all the time, which you just accepted. Well, I suppose there was an element of of excitement about it. Who's going to be playing for the team next year? But it just meant there was very little consistency. And uh, and we couldn't really work out what the manager was trying to do. That was my main thing with Porterfield. You thought, what is he trying to play here? I can't really see what the plan is. It was, uh, it was. you had sort of decent individual performances, but um, uh, you know, the pairing of Cascarino and Dixon at the time was just, just look, you know, you, I was, I was expecting it to be Cascarino, Cascarino and Allen, which I think was the, was the possible pairing the following season. But um, uh, it, 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 it didn't leave you with great hope for the following season. And yet at the same time, you know, there's always, you always have this, this possibility that something may come together. I've always been, you know, glass um, half full man when it comes to Chelsea. So apart, uh, apart from on the Monday night fan cast recently, when, when yeah, you, yeah. Well, you, no, you've no, kind that's... of run out of stuff to fill your glass with me, I think that's no, 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 no. I didn't have a glass. Run out of green tea, mate. Haven't you? I didn't have a glass. That was the problem. Um, just, just going back to, to Kerry. I mean, I've just said it's his last appearance. And of course, Ken Monkhouse, of course, we didn't know that at the time. You know, because Kerry got sold to Southampton in July yeah, yeah. and Ken Moncow got sold to Southampton, funnily enough, in, in August. So we wouldn't have known. The following season. No, I mean, when the following season starts. Yeah, so you... we, wouldn't, we wouldn't have been in mourning because we wouldn't have known. This all comes later. Let's just pick up on Kerry because, I mean, I, I, we may well do this next week as well. But, you know, he basically, this is his last season for us, which, of course, is very sad. But all good things must come to an end. But... Obviously, he scores 193 goals, which leaves him nine short of Bobby Tambling's record. Of course, if you've been listening to this show for the last few weeks, you know, this is the point where we say, Kerry, if you just scored some of those bloody penalties, mate, that you missed, shockingly, and you may well have caught Bobby. Um, so, but disappointing season, I think, for Kerry. You know, five goals in 39 appearances. This is not the Kerry that we knew and love in my opinion Clayton although you 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 were as you said earlier quite impressed by by this season for some reason it's certainly the beginning of it um and ironically and we, we didn't actually uh, you mentioned it in the script and I I would say that the goal that he scored against Norwich was probably the goal of the season Do you know, it was I, absolute yeah Absolutely brilliant. I forgot to mention that. You're right. He, he, he kind swivel of... into the area, volley, yeah. swivel, volley, wasn't it? Absolutely brilliant. And he still had it. I don't know whether it was a mental thing. As you say, his legs may have gone by then. But I don't know because he still scored goals after he left us. Well, um, he did all right for Luton. But he, I, I know for a fact because I've spoke to him about it, uh, uh, that, you know, that... He hated playing for Southampton. He just wasn't into it at all. He didn't like them. They didn't like him. You know, but he didn't do badly for Luton, as we will find out in two yeah. weeks' time. Um but So I mean, ultimately, listen, the guy's a legend and always will be. He'll always be loved by anybody who saw him play. Um and yeah, I mean it it's just a complete as as Jonathan was alluding to, the complete sort of mishmosh. I mean what so we had Dixon, we ended up with Dixon and Cascarino, and we had Clive Allen playing, we had Kevin Wilson playing, we had Joe Alon. And you just, I mean, you wonder how mentally that affected Kerry. 
Just well, you know, because he'd always been num, you know, our number nine and the number one striker. It's funny you should say and that. Then, Go on, finish your point. No, I was just going to say, and all of a sudden you've just got this absolute mishmash. And I think Jonathan said earlier on, was this a sign of Porterfield not having faith in him? But it just seems to me a little bit naive of Porterfield because you've got a guy who is proven goal scorer who scored so many goals for the club before that season that you just wonder whether Porterfield missed the trick by not actually trying to help Kerry rather than actually bring in this sort of hodgepodge of, of other strikers. Well, as I said, it's funny you should say that, Clayton, because uh, I did speak to the great man and this is what he had to say about not you know missing Bobby Tamling's record and, and how he left the club and how he felt about that. Yeah, um, leaving. Um, it was in 92. Batesy had said... It was an end-of-season tour to Canada, and I got an idea. Um, I think Batesy had probably had enough. I, I, you know, I'd been gambling. It it didn't really affect me. Um, I mean, Bobby Campbell used to say, "Don't know how you, don't know how you do it." You know, with what the problems you have in life, and you know, in terms of gambling, and You're right. um, and still managed to play football because I'd scored what I'd scored in 1990, 89-90 season. Um, Bobby was there part of it when he fixed it up the bait see that you know sort something out for me which they did um, by signing contracts and you know making things available again but because I I had three and a half years left on the contract um, I should have put I mean Bobby Tamlin calls me the man who kept him in business and you know I should have put him out of business and I should have if I'd have stayed for three and a half years I'd have put Frank out of business as well <clears throat> so Batesy had decided He probably had enough. That's what I got the message because Bobby Campbell said, the old man's not going to sort, sort it out this time. I said, no problem, no problem. I'll just sort it out myself. But then we were on an end-of-season tour to Canada and they'd signed Clive Allen and Tony Cascarino was there and I thought to myself, that's all right, we'll battle for positions. They're, they're mm. good lads, both of them good blokes. And uh, Batesy, um, <coughs> Campbell had moved on and Porterfield had taken over and Porterville mm. said we're going to uh, Canada Batesy's coming I said oh, no problem well Batesy pulled me and the porter says you, he wants to see you for breakfast in the morning Batesy I said alright be there be there at nine we're going off and doing whatever it's okay so I went to see, speak to Batesy didn't go with the rest of the team and Batesy said look I know you've got three and a half years I'll cut, cut to the chase I've made a deal with Southampton for 575000 um, You can go. Um, how do you feel about that? I says, I'll talk to it. But I says, I wouldn't hold your breath about me going. Well, what makes you think I'm going to go? I've got three and a half years left. Mm -hmm. He said, well, put it this way. I've done a deal, which means, effectively, I've done a deal. Um, we're signing new strikers. We, um, we've decided that we're not going to pursue you. We've got Clive and Tony and that. And, we're getting two more in, and uh, we spend a lot of money, and one or two, or maybe all three of you, or well, could be surplus to requirements. Mm. Uh, but uh, you know, Southampton want you, so that's the deal. Mm. I said, well, I, again, I'll talk to him. He said, well, put it this way: you'll never play for the club again. You'll be in the reserves, and then three and a half years, you'll you'll do in the reses. Oh, I just went like that. Mm. Um, it was food for thought, but 
If I'd have known I'd have spent the money two million quid on Robert Fleck and Mick Harford, I'd have stayed. <laughs> and we would have been very grateful yeah. if you had. And I said, come on, yeah. us five would have done battle for the position. I think I might have done it. But listen, I wasn't playing great. You know, I did have a few problems off the field. Um, and I'm not blasé enough but to think... did that affect your football? Not well, being nosy, but well, did not... it affect your football? Well, you... I've gambled all my life. Put it, you ask yourself your own question. Yeah. I gambled when I was at Reading. I got I got suspended at school for gambling with dinner tickets at the age of 12. Right? Um, so I played cards every trip away. Yeah. We played cards home and away every game for every team I played for. Yeah. Um, does it affect me? I lost £3,000 in a, listening to it on a mobile phone in the toilet at Oxford just before we went out. Bobby Campbell was moaning at me because, what are you doing in there? I said, I'm going to the toilet I need to do before the, when, everyone el- when everyone else is warming up I was listening to the horse race at 20 to 3 the horse lost I lost 3,000 quid I lost 3,000 quid it was one and a half grand each way the horse come forth as normal and uh, I went out we beat Oxford uh, I think it was 4-3 or 4 I got a trick yeah, so, so that's your answer to it. Though, it? I think 193 goals says no, actually, yes. Kerry. But um, there you go. People might argue if you didn't go, if you did everything right, if you had the right food, yeah, you didn't drink. Know, you my, might have had 293, but listen. If my auntie had bollocks, she'd be my uncle, mate. There you go. You know? well, were, you, were you sad to leave the club? I mean, oh, you had nine course. great years there. Oh, of course. I didn't want to go. But yeah. I, I, I had Bobby Tamblin in my sights. So I was yeah. nine goals away from him. Were you uh, aware of that then? I mean, yeah, were you thinking about that? I was aware of that from... You know, when I got past Ozzy and yeah. uh, Roy Bentley at 150, yeah. I, you know, it was, I was heading for sights. the next one. I was heading for Bobby, yeah. and uh, it was yeah. one of them things. I thought to myself, but it, it that was probably my biggest regret: not smashing Chelsea's scoring record and not putting it beyond Frank and anyone else who might come along. You because you could have three done. and a half years. If I scored ten goals a year, you could. If I played 10 goals a year, that would be my worst three years ever at Chelsea. Yeah. And if I, if I managed to get games in 10 goals in f- however many games I might have played, there's another 30 goals on top. Yeah. There you go. Kerry, very uh, interesting stuff. Now, Jonathan, what, what have you got uh, anything to offer on, on Kerry? Um, I, I don't think he was given the, uh, the support, particularly from the wings in this season. They didn't appear to be an out-and-out out out right winger because Bobby Stewart came in and he, he wasn't known for his great crosses. He was very direct. I mean, you compare Stewart and Dury, there's no comparison. You know, Dury is wonderful. They both have blonde hair. Streamlined. Uh, I thought he was a bit darker and curlier, old Stewart. But Stewart, Stewart was a decent, decent player, but not, a, not in the... Uh, not not in the higher echelons that Dury was in. But I mean, Dury, Dury provided goals for, for Kerry just by being so so direct, but even, even though he played mostly coming in from the left. But you didn't see anybody either side as dynamic enough to actually set things up for Kerry. And um, if you remember all the goals he scored with Speedo behind him were where they would interchange and it would frequently be something came centrally and there'd be or a, a, somebody would, would full back would cross and there'd be a header down or a pass down for Kerry to run onto. And I wasn't seeing any of that pattern being recreated at all in this season. But I, I would, I would say, I, I, I kind of with Clayton on, on this one is that I, I think, and I've been saying this for the last few weeks. I think you know Kerry's becoming a very different player, and I think if there is, there is one thing where Porterfield et al missed a trick, it was to really recognise that. Now, if you want to make a, an analogy, Alan Shearer uh, became a very, very different striker after that horrible knee injury he had. And he became the kind of striker who would play with his back to the goal and he would hold the ball up 
and he would play a lot of you know he'd play off a striker as well and he would play them in but he still had that 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 you know uh, experience and that skill in his head as well as in his feet to be able to score cracking goals and I think you could have I think they could have done that with Kerry they could have you know they could have played him in a two because as as, as we've just said that Norwich goal was superb we've already seen the last few seasons where he's playing not just as the central main striker he's crossing the ball he's playing people in he's he I mean Kerry had a great deal of skill he could pass the ball and he could beat players what he couldn't do this season which is what I've been saying all along is play like like we used to know and love him JK in the in the mid 80s when he would just you know bullock his way through and and have a lot of pace at the same time I didn't think that he was being provided with the same kind of cross but yeah totally agree with that it was interesting that Shearer um uh, was helped by Robson, who Robson told yeah. him that you've got to change the way you play. Booby uh, Robson. And, and uh, which one? Sorry. Booby Robson, as I like Booby Robson, yes, yes. And yeah, but Porterfield wasn't that kind of manager, was he? Porterfield was a, was, was a green, um, well, uh, enthusiastic coach that Bates gave a chance to. Well, rather was, than having Bobby Robson was this great figure. I, superb manager. In Europe, yeah, a wonderful yeah, manager, yeah. yeah. I mean, the interesting thing, I mean, we, we, you know, just to kind of, you know, uh, dot the I's and cross the T's, we finished, I'd say, a disappointing 14th, having kind of jacked in the season. Dreadful 14th. Well, Dreadful. Uh, yeah. I mean, after jacking in the season after Sunderland, I think they just, as I said, they I, they couldn't be bothered. Uh, we finished below Wimbledon. But there is always salvation, isn't there, Clayton? Because we did finish one place above Spurs. So never, never forget that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a sort of, um, it is 14th. But if you say that uh, we were still sort of, so I was clutching at straws. We we're only sort of seven points behind Villa, who was seventh. So it was quite congested in that middle. Of, but yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty bad. And and our sort of minus ten goal difference didn't help us either. Well, as I said, Palace managed to be in tenth, uh, albeit only four points above us. With uh, sorry. Palace were tenth. Yeah, seven they points. Four points but, yeah. So they were four points, weren't they? But they had minus yeah. eight goal difference. We're in that midfield pack, aren't we? But I think the reality yeah. is we should we should have been a. I think we were good enough to be a top six side. So I think this is absolutely disappointing. Um, what else can I tell you? Paul Elliott was the player of the year. You knew that. Top scorer was Dennis Wise on fourteen. Top appearance maker was Graham Lasso on fifty. But. Um, the reality was, you know, it was it was classic Chelsea, you know, uh, erratic form uh, from the poor, the sublime to the absolute sublime, from the disgraceful to the brilliant. That that is Clayton said it early on. Classically Chelsea. Let, let's talk about Ian Porterfield for a minute though, because we were talking about him. I thought it was really interesting what Rick Glanville says about him in in Rick's wonderful complete uh, Chelsea history book. That he was tactically, tactically and technically astute. He brought in a lot of tr- new training methods to the club, but basically, uh, his fault was, and this is what I think you were alluding to, Clayton. He was too inexperienced, really, to manage what was now a club full of pretty big egos and some decent players. And basically, he was just too nice. Yeah, it's a bit strange, isn't it? Because because Campbell was still around the club. I mean. <laughs> Whether he didn't want to get too involved because obviously the young the young man had taken young over, man. but you do you do wonder how much Porterfield looked to him for advice in dealing with it because whilst there were some some good performances, I mean 
it just does. There was no shape to the team, or there was no. We didn't seem to be playing in a particular way. I think Jonathan mentioned it as well. But I think his first season, yes, it was disappointing. But what you don't know is from that money point of view, the players that were doing well for him were then sold from under him and he might not have wanted them to go. And, you know, you, you go all the way back to the beginning of the season when you think if you lose Gordon Jury and uh, Tony Dorigo, who are two very good players. International And you're players. replacing them with Tommy Boyd and Paul Elliott. Okay, decent players. But then you 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 lose Boyd halfway through the season. So it may be that Porterfield was put in there to just basically shut up and get on with it and do what he was told. Bates looks after the transfers because he's he's holding those purse strings. So we don't know, but I, I would say that he probably did well in, in all circumstances uh, surrounding what was basically um, going on around the club at the time. I think that's a really a really valid point, isn't it, JK? And I kind of I kind of summed it up at the end here, didn't I? But it just had a sense that this season was drifting, really, and and there were a lot of players bought at the same time. We were losing a lot of good players, and there was just a. I mean, after after we got knocked out of the cup, it just fizzled out. As I said, there was a real nothingness to it. Um, and and I I, unfortunately, we thought the following season that it would it would get better, but we always know, do, don't we? We always do, but Porterfield was. <laughs> So it wasn't given much. Don't, uh, don't tell them what happens next. Don't don't give them your name, Pike. Sorry, sorry, yeah, but I can't help. They don't it, but... know. They don't know that it all goes really tits up next season. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, I think I think you're right. I mean, I mean, it, this is the other thing that I. It, it's it's this is such a weird. I mean, you know, it'd be, I'm dying to dying to talk to you both about this because you know, let, let's be frank. You you were you were both going a lot more than I was, and probably had your fingers far more closely to the pulse. But I, I think that this is such a weird period of Chelsea's history. You know, in, in 90, they finished fifth, I think, don't they? Which was just so exciting. I, I mean, I know you, you were very, you were a bit down on it, JK, but I was, I was super excited about 1990 finishing fifth because it's the best we'd done since 70. And I thought, here we go, we're on a roll. But this kind of period, 90, I mean, really, from, from 1990 uh, to 1991 season, all the way through until when Hoddle turns up in '93, it's almost like a void. It's like a nothing happened. We were not going anywhere. We were in a quagmire. There seemed to be no stability, no sense at all. Players coming, players going, ridiculous buys, absolute flops. It it was just a really weird two or three year spell. It's just un unmemorable and undefinable in a way. Don't you think it would have been better sorted out if he'd bought, uh, if he'd bought, if he'd employed a much more experienced named manager? Yeah. Well, he goes on. Well, he he doesn't go on to do that weirdly. But yeah, I, I yeah, I mean, you know, you could have attracted. I, I mean, this is the thing. This is not the Chelsea of the early '80s and the late '70s when we were beyond abject and absolutely yeah. potless. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. is a Chelsea side that had good quality players, international players, you know, well-known players. The, a side that had finished fifth in the first division, that was back in the big time, was was big, you know a big club again. He could have he could have you know he could have brought in a decent manager, a named manager who who wouldn't have wanted to come to Chelsea then. Uh, Neil Warnock. Well, thank God for that. But I, I think I think the answer is something that we've been 
bashing around for the last half an hour or so. Maybe the really smart, canny, decent managers out there were going, yeah, but how much money can I spend? How much How much control do I have over transfers? You know, you're skint. You might not even be here in a year because you might not have a ground. Maybe there was just a, a, a you know, the people, you know, if, you, if you're in football, you know that this stuff's going on. Maybe that but, would have put them off. The, 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 point, the point in all of this is that Bates was first and foremost a businessman. He wasn't a football person. He was a businessman. And he, through whatever means, ended up um, doing a fantastic job for us, whether you like him or hate him. No, I he recognised what was happening. He recognised that football was getting on this gravy train. And he basically mortgaged us to the hilt to make sure that we made it onto that gravy train. Now, obviously, we got bought by Roman. But his wheeling and dealing and his business acumen got us to where we were. I mean, we talk about, you'll talk about it next week. But the deal he did after Cobra, Cobra went bust was absolute genius. Getting all these leases granted all over the ground. So what you've got to consider is that whilst this period on the pitch was very hodgepodge and it was, you know, you have to think that he was basically making up as he was going along. JK, you, you're about to come in? No, no I think things summed it up brilliantly. Uh, you have to appreciate what um, what's going on behind the scenes we don't have access to is, uh, is possibly... Um, for Bates was more important at the time was keeping the club afloat and that what was going on on the pitch was he just wanted to keep them stably in the division and uh, and try and keep hold of the better players. But there was clearly something very um, unstable by the fact that, that, that some of the better players couldn't stand it the following year and wanted to get out. Well, I, I think you both hit the nail on the head, actually. And, 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 and you know, I, I think... The reality is, is that, that that Chelsea were in serious jeopardy and absolutely not going anywhere until until Bates gets control of the stadium, which is when Cabra Estates go. You know, the threat of being evicted disappears, and he can start doing what Clayton was describing, which is really, really building for the future, capitalising on the fact that we're in the Premier League, and and absolutely rebuilding the club and making it really into the club that we know now, stadium well, stadium no and all. No coincidence that the, the the best period of this whole season, of this whole setup, starts occurring in 94 when he starts making purchases and he's got more money and he gets the bond, which brings the whole, which is in the Premier League. He, he He's he's really, really on onto it then, Bates. And of course, and the I, Premier League starts next season. Indeed, indeed. And, and but it, that, it, that's Harding, isn't it? That's Harding's money starts coming in. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you know, Bates, of course, as as we will remember, was always, you know, one of the. I mean, I, I hesitate to say influential, but he he always made sure he had a seat and a voice at the top table in the administration of the game. I mean, he was very involved with the FA, wasn't he? So he would have known, he would have known about what was happening with the Premier League. So actually, I think you know, in, in closing, you know, he he did a a, a really clever ball juggling act around this period to keep us going on the pitch even though to us it looked absolutely shambolic and chaotic and rather you know turgid and stodgy 
but actually he was he was you know as I said keeping all the balls in the air knowing that the Premier League was coming down the line knowing that he had to focus on making sure the club was safe by securing the long-term future of the club and actually to, to his credit he managed to do all of that yeah yeah there we go what a what a what an earth-shatteringly sensible way to end a Chelsea fan club. <laughs> I'm I've almost shot myself there, but I, I have to say, I mean, again, as ever, I mean, we're all absolutely whacked out, knackered. But this is I, I feel wide awake now. I feel we could do another two hours. You know, I'm not going to. Don't worry, Clayton. But uh, it's been it's been an absolute it's been an absolute joy uh, talking about ninety one, ninety two, bizarre season in many ways. Classic Chelsea moments, classic Chelsea memories. I mean, things like, you know, Vinnie James's goal at Liverpool will live with me forever. You know, it was just sublime. Not to mention his two-footer in, in the first minute against Sheffield United as well. So some great he would have been sent, he'd have been sent off nowadays, of course. He'd have been triple red-carded, I think, for that these days. But yeah, I mean, in its own funny little way, another great season. But as I said, more to the point, much more fun uh, sharing it with you two chaps as well. So thank you very, very much. I've really enjoyed it tonight. Yeah, it's been good. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you, Church. Thank you, Clayton. Brilliant. Great stuff. Well, we will reconvene uh, next week. I haven't. For, I can't for the. I think it might be Mark Meehan next week, uh, um, J.K. But I'd have to consult my diary. But anyway, we will be back next week, and we will be doing 1992 to 1993, which makes 1991 to 1992 look like a Champions League winning season by comparison. <laughs> but there we go. We'll 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 spoil that one for you next week. Until then, take care. Der einzige Markt für das, was jetzt und in der Zukunft wertvoll ist. Die neuesten Sneakers, Kleidung, Elektronik, Sammlerstücke und vieles mehr. Alles hundertprozentig geprüft und authentisch. Mit StockX hast du Zugang zu Millionen von Produkten, die ausverkauft oder schwer zu finden sind. Und alle für den Preis, den sie wirklich wert sind. Denn wir alle sollten das kriegen, was wir gerne haben möchten. StockX – Zugang zu aktuellen Trends. Finde, was du brauchst auf StockX.com.